You're listening to Panthers on Tap. I'm Curtis Round, joined by Bryson Carbley. We're just two fans sharing our love for the game in Carolina Panthers football. So join us, crack open a cold one, some bubbly, a little wine, some scotch. We don't care, whatever makes you sleep better at night. Before we dive into the episode, a little self-promotion. Stop what you're doing. Go give us a follow on Twitter at Panthers on Tap. Join the discussion on our Facebook group. We have over 2,500 members. You can listen to us wherever you get your podcast. Just search Panthers on Tap. Well, Bryson, the buildup is almost over in a little more than 24 hours when this episode drops. The NFL draft will kick off. Carolina Panthers holding the number six pick for now. Um, Bryson, we had to do it up big. It's, this is our 50th episode. We got the gang all back together. We had them in February on Edgar Salmingo, also known as Panthers analyst, JJ Hardy, known as Panthers culture on Twitter, and Kevin Avery, country Kev from the four-man rush. Edgar, let's start with you. How are you doing? You excited for the draft? I'm very excited. I know we mentioned before, it's it's a bittersweet. It's, it's finally here. We can't wait for it, but once it's over, then... We've got a whole bunch of time to kill until the season. JJ, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. Just ready for Thursday and the rest of the weekend to come and go, just to see what we actually end up doing this year. Bryson, how you feeling? Feeling good, man. I, I feel like the draft came quicker than normal this year for some reason, but but yeah, I'm I'm excited for it. And uh, and like I was telling these guys before we hopped on, uh, they're basically part time police now. So me and you are gonna have to start paying out benefits and, uh, and and those kinds of things. We'll get you guys on the retirement plan. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we got a good one for you guys this evening. Um, we're going to start off with a mock draft. We each mock the first 10 picks, um, kind of like we did last year during this time. And then we're going to do a little draft simulation. So stick around for that. We've each gotten a role. It's going to be fun doing a little bit something different here. I know a lot of the talk today right now is with Scott Fitter's pest conference and what he said and what he didn't say in those comments. Um, so we'll kind of sprinkle that in or talk about that as, as we get rolling here. But why don't we just kick off with the mock draft? And Bryson, do you want to kick things off or you, you want to take a swing at this, out, uh, the first one up here? Sure. Mine's probably the most ridiculous, so I'll, I'll go ahead. Um, I like chaos, so I that's what I projected in my mock draft. Give me one second here, let me pull it up. All right, so with the first pick, I had the Jags taking Trayvon Walker, which I think that there's some speculation going around that that's a possibility. And in the quotations, I just put Jags gonna Jag, so I got them taking Trayvon Walker number one. Um, you know, he's he's got high upside and not a whole lot of production, but but the athleticism and Everything else is there, so I think that the Jags could fall in love with them and take them number one. Number two, I think that the Lions end up taking the best player in the draft in Aiden Hutchinson. If the Jags don't take him, which I think is a possibility, then he falls right into the Lions' laps, and I think that they uh, take one second to write the name on the card and submit it. Then for the third pick, I have the Houston Texans going Sauce Gardner. I think that they've kind of been projected to select him for a while now. Um, there's rumblings around the league that uh, reported at least that they like him a lot and that, you know, they, they need a corner and they're, they're building something down there with all the draft picks they got from trading Watson. So I think that Gardner would be a good fit there. Then number four, 
the Jets pick, I have the Saints trading up, trading their two first-round picks with the Jets, trading up to – I think that they would select either either of the top two quarterbacks um, on a lot of people's boards, not my board, but uh, either Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis. But I think, judging from conversations with my brother, who is a huge Saints fan, and um, kind of just what I've seen on Twitter, that the Saints really like Kenny, Kenny Pickett a lot. So – and he just seems like a saint. So I, I think that the I have the Saints trading up and selecting Kenny Pickett at four. I'm not sure exactly what that trade package would look like, but I know that the Jets already have two picks in the top ten, and the Saints have two picks in the first round because I think they traded with uh, – can't remember the team, but they, they, they traded in – Eagles, two picks. Eagles. Oh, okay, Eagles. So, yeah, this I think that the Saints did that for a reason, and I think that they're, they wanted to get something to package together to trade up. And just trading it from the Panthers to select the quarterback they want is something the Saints would definitely do after, you know, last year we took uh, Terrace Marshall right in front of them when they reportedly wanted him. So yeah, and Stevenson, they nabbed Stevenson in the sixth round in yep. front of in front of the Panthers too. So a little payback, I guess, uh, of what the Saints think, but they can have Kenny Pickett for all I care. Uh, number five, I got the Giants taking uh, Iki Iquanu, uh, the tackle from NC State. A lot of people have him as the best tackle in the draft, um, depending on where you look. I feel like he's a good fit in New York uh, with the Giants. And then with the six – All right, hold on before you get there. Hold on before you get there. So, let's recap. So, you got the Jaguars taking Trayvon Walker. You got the Lions, Aiden Hutchinson, Texans, Sauce Gardner. You have the Jets trading with the Saints. Saints move up and get their quarterback, Kenny Pickett. You have the Giants taking Iki Iquanu. Now we're at six, the big pick. Yeah. Who do you and, got? And this is obviously what I want to happen, uh, and I think that they could go multiple ways in this scenario um, specifically, but uh, Malik Willis is there at six. I think he's the you know he's the best quarterback in the draft, in my opinion. He's got the most upside. Uh, they have Sam Darnold for another season in their contract. They're paying him. If they have to, you know, roll Sam Darnold out to start the first couple of games or whatever it is. I don't even think that Sam Darnold could beat Malik Willis out in camp as it is right now. I think Malik Willis is better. So uh, he is raw and, you know, probably the best thing for Malik Willis is to not play this year. But if he comes into a situation like Carolina, then, and Matt rule uh, really needs some wins to keep his job, then I could see them forcing him to play. And, you know, it's kind of do or die at that point and see how he does. But uh, Malik Willis has shown that that he has the ability to play quarterback and um, he's got all the elite traits to, to be a successful player in the NFL. So I think that Carolina goes Malik Willis here in this scenario, but I could also see them going Evan Neal um, or Charles Cross uh, in this situation. So, um, all right, number seven, uh, the Giants again. I think that they go Kayvon Thibodeau here. Uh, he fell to number seven. Uh, arguably one of the best players in the draft. And, you know, they get Iquanu and Thibodeau, and that's a one hell of a, of a draft already right there. So uh, number eight, Atlanta. Uh, I think they really want a receiver, uh, you know, they, with the situation with Calvin Ridley. And, um, I mean, who the hell else is there? Like, I, I can't even think of another receiver for the Falcons. So, uh, you know, depending on where you look, the rankings for wide receivers are, differ, but I think that they would go Garrett Wilson. He's probably my favorite receiver in the draft. And uh, I feel like he, he'd be a good fit in that Atlanta offense with uh, Marcus Mariota and getting Mariota a receiver. And then number nine, uh, Seattle. 
I think their left tackle is uh, a guy named Stone right now. Uh, the only one they have on their roster. So uh, Evan Neal, who could possibly be the best left tackle in this draft, falls to nine, and I think that they don't pass up on Evan Neal. And then to round out the top ten, the Jets with their first pick after getting two additional picks from the Saints, I think that the Jets go Kyle Hamilton here, uh, round out the top ten. Kyle Hamilton could arguably be the best player in this whole draft. Very talented safety from Notre Dame. Um one of my favorite players in the draft as well. So, so yeah, Trayvon one, Aiden two, Sauce three, uh, Kenny Pickett to the Saints at four after a trade up, Icky at five, Malik Willis to Carolina in my dream scenario, seven, Kayvon Thibodeau to New York Giants, eight, Garrett Wilson to Atlanta, nine, Evan Neal to Seattle, and then Kyle Hamilton to the New York Jets. Now, before we get to JJ, we'll, st- we'll go with JJ next on his mock. But, Bryce, I just want to ask you, how hard is it sitting at Carolina – you have you're staring down Charles Cross and Evan Neal, and they go QB. Just curious, yeah. what your thoughts on that was? Because that oh would yeah, be... yeah, I um yeah, like I mentioned, I could see them really throwing that card and, and going for um, either of those guys, um, Evan Neal or Charles Cross. I think that from what I've seen, I think they like Charles Cross better. So I think Charles Cross would probably be highly um, regarded in, at that pick if he's there. Either way, but. You know, this is just me, and um, if I'm the Panthers and I have a chance at Malik Willis, who some people think that he has a higher upside than Trey Lance did last year in the draft. I, you know, that, that quote going around that some NFC coordinator that might be Ben McAdoo, we, you know, we don't know, but uh, <laughs> that he has higher upside than Trey Lance did last year. So I, I think Malik Willis is to pick. Uh, you bring Cam Newton back, and, and he gets to mentor uh, a, a kid that's looked up to him forever and sell tickets in Carolina and just the dream scenario. All right, JJ, let's, let's hear your mock draft. You know, it's crazy because it's your popcorn ready. I don't mean to cut you <laughs> off get your popcorn. ready. Well, you know, I'm, I'm a straightforward guy and, you know, seeing Bryson do his thing. Ashley went back and, and did something different because we had a couple of things that were similar and I don't want the listeners to, to hear the same, the same mock. I just went back and and shook it up a little bit, but not too much. My first pick um, for the Jazz is Aiden Hutchinson. And so I think a lot of the stuff that we're hearing, you know, know, with the NFL meeting and everything, I think it's a smoke screen. I think they want Hutchinson. And the reason I think that is because Balky is a guy that loves length. He takes length over speed. And Hutchinson is like six seven, and runs a and runs a four seven, and that's not the type of guy that I think you want to pass up on. So if Balky's making the call, um, I think it's Hutchinson. And the guy that a lot of people think is going to Jacksonville, I think he falls right into Detroit's lap, and I think that's Walker. I think Walker's a great fit for Detroit. I think you know he can play inside and outside. And I think they'll want, you know, to replace, um, you know, the defensive end they just released or let go. It was their flowers, I believe. And so I think they would want to replace that production, you know, with their own guy. And I think Walker's the type of guy that Campbell would love. Three, um, with Bryson on, I I think Houston is going to go after Gardner. I read a report that Lovey Smith believes that he needs a cornerback to play the system that he wants to play. I think Gardner 
is a good cornerback to be in that cover two system that he can build around. And so I do think he would go to Houston. I have the Jets staying at four because I don't see a team trading up for a quarterback in this class. And so since they have to stay at four, I'm thinking about I'm thinking about Robert Sala and the fact that he went so heavy on offense last year that this year he would want to focus on building that defense. And if you remember what San Francisco did the year, the first year they went to the Super Bowl, Nick Bosa was the pick that changed that defense. I think he's going to look at this year and get who's probably the top edge in the class, you know, fall right into his lap with Thibodeau. And I think he's going to go get his own version of Nick Bosa. They're not the tank, the same type of guy. I don't think he'll get the same production, but I think he wants a disruptive end to run that defense that he wants to run in New York. Um, five is where the first tackle comes off the board. And it's not even my top tackle, but I think it's the guy that that would be drafted because of the flexibility he has on the offensive line. And that's Evan Neal. At first, I didn't think they would go offensive line, but then I started thinking they have a, a left tackle and I think it's Andrew Thomas. And so I think they'll want a guy on the other side that they can anchor with Thomas. And since Neil has experience playing right, I think they'll go with Neil. And then comes Carolina. And this is where I think, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little different. And just because of how the board is falling, I don't believe we're going quarterback and nobody wants to trade with us. And it wouldn't be fun doing this anyway, because if we trade it back, then I wouldn't be able to talk about Carolina's pick. <laughs> so I'm going with Charles Cross. Charles Cross is my, is my LT1. I think he's the purest left tackle in the draft. And I think Carolina is actually high on him. And I know people think it's icky, but I believe it's, I believe it's crossed. Next is going to be the, the Giants. And I think they surprise people by going to get Stingley. That's not necessarily a need for them, but I think it will be if they get a trade for Bradbury. And so um, Brian Dayball came from, from, from the Bills. I know they had White out there as their, as their top cornerback. I think he wants a young, talented, athletic quarterback, cornerback from LSU, and I think he'll go with Stingley. At eight, I had the Falcons picking the homeboy and, um, and bringing Kyle Hamilton home. You know, and that's probably higher than a lot of people have him going nowadays, but a few months ago, Kyle Hamilton was like a top five pick lock. After the combine, he started falling. I think Atlanta is really studying him, and I think they will draft a guy like him. Um, at nine, I think Seattle is like the winner in this situation. A lot of people have been going um, going um, quarterback, but I think they take the opportunity to draft Icky Ekwonu because he just fell into their lap, and they're, and they're going to need a left tackle. And then at 10, because I still think the Jets coming back at that spot, I still think they need a corner. And because they didn't get a chance to get Sauce or Stingley, I think they reach here and go after Trent McDuff. Mm. JJ, before we get to Edgar here, I'm going to try to ask one question for everyone here. Why Icky slipping? 
what, what's the reasoning for him dropping? Because you, you, you know, early on, you you could see Icky going number one before they tag Robinson. So what's what's the what's the fall for Icky? You know, I think it's just sometimes just I think he really fits Carolina. Um, and so that easily could have been picked six for Carolina. And, and my mock and almost did that. Um, some people have him as LT1. Um, but I think Icky's fall might be due to a lot of people might see him as a guard, whether that's flawed or not. I think a lot of people might see him as a left guard versus a left tackle. Um, because of that Mauler, you know, run blocking, that tenacious mentality that he has. Like when I see Icky, I kind of envision him being um, like my guy Nelson from Notre Dame that went to the Colts. Like I'm not saying that he won't be a tackle, but I can see how scouts might project him to be like a a, a really elite guard, you know, in a in a good left tackle. So because of that, I think he drops. But you know, but. If he falls into, you know, Carolina's lap at six, I'd be happy to. Gotcha. JJ, where, where, where were we the same at that you had to change it? I want to know. I, I love Trayvon Walker as my number one. Oh, and okay. so I thought I thought the Jaguars might pick him up. And then when you said that, I was like, oh, he stole my thunder. Let me go back. And get <laughs> um, but, you know, but to me, I think Walker going number one um, or anywhere in the top five, I think that's the that's the first real shakeup of the draft. All right, Edgar, let's let's hear it. One through ten, who do you got going? All right, so I'm going to shake some things up a little bit. Uh, number one, I'm going to go with Aiden Hutchinson. I think for me, like, it's the first pick, and people are nervous to make a bold move. I w- I'm with JJ. I think Trayvon's probably going to be the best of the class. But when, when, things, when push comes to shove, when you have to pull the trigger, I think they go the safer route, quote-unquote safer route, and go with Aiden Hutchinson, which makes uh, – I put Trayvon Walker to Detroit at two. Um, I agree with JJ. I think Sauce Gardner to the Texans makes a lot of sense. I think people are sleeping on Houston wanting defense and people are projecting an Evan Neal or a Quanu. So I'm going to go Hutch, Walker, Gardner, one, two, three. The Jets at four. I really like for them uh, someone on defense. I know people are projecting uh, wide receivers and, and, and this and that, but I think he's fallen and people, I don't know why. Maybe it's just us talking about the draft too long, but Kayvon Thibodeau um, is one of the best, if not the best in this class as well, in terms of some of terror on the edge. And I don't think the Jets are into, uh, you know, corner as much or Saul as a, a big corner guy. Like he would love to get an edge guy like Thibodeau. At five, the Giants, just talking to friends I know that like the Giants, they really, really want to tackle. Uh, for me, I went Iki Aquanu at five for the Giants. And then at six for the Panthers, don't hate me because JJ just said this, but I'm going to predict a trade out at a six because I really, really don't think – they want to draft that six. I know they keep saying, like, you know, you're going to talk about bitterest comments. It's like, oh, if we like someone at six, we're going to draft someone at six. Well, if they like someone at six, someone else probably likes them at six, and so they'll want to trade out. Why would they – how could they trade out at six if there's someone that they don't want that, you know, why would they stay there and pick somebody uh, that everybody else wants? Like, you either have to trade out for someone desirable, right, or you, or you pick the person. So I think they trade out. Uh, my favorite team, it could be anybody, but I like the Eagles – as a trade-out, because Spitter said he wanted to still stay in the teens, uh, they pick at 14, so I'm going to take, take the Eagles to trade up and get the top wide receiver on their board. I'll put Garrett Wilson uh, and, t- and get ahead of Atlanta. Uh, Giants, again, I'll give them, just like um, uh, JJ said, I'm giving Derek Stingley, uh, one of the top cover corners. 
At eight, I also said Kyle Hamilton coming home to Atlanta. Number nine, because of the slide, I'm going to give Evan Neal to the Seahawks. Uh, I'm going to basically stay away from the QBs in the top 10. I think there's a lot of QB talk because it's QB. But again, when push comes to shove, who wants to pull the trigger on someone that people aren't sure about? And number 10, I went Drake London, a wide receiver. They were hot for Tyreek Hill. And they're probably somewhere along the line going to need or want a desire a playmaker on offense. And so I'm going to go Drake London at 10 to the Jets. And just a bonus pick at 14. I'm, I'm, I'm a believer in Scott Fitter. I'm going, to, I'm going to agree with Bryson. I think they're hot for Malik Willis. So the dream scenario is they trade down and they still get Malik Willis at 14. So you have Charles Cross not – am I right on that? You have Charles Cross slipping out of the top 10. Is that correct? I have Cross slipping. If he, he, he Cross can go to Seattle. I know there's some rumors or rumblings about Evan Neal not passing some team's medicals. He could go to Seattle at nine and Evan Neal keeps falling. Um, but I will have Cross drop out of the 10. Okay. Okay. Kevin, let's go to you. What's your top 10 mock draft? All right. So with me, um, it's going to be a little variation because I uh, seem like any possible twists and turns have already been laid out. So uh, for me, here we go. Uh, I agree with what Edgar just said. Uh, Jackson Mill just going to play it safe and just go with the consensus number one. So I got the uh, Jaguars taking Aiden um, Hutchinson um, at the end to go with the, um, the, the pass rush they got from Kentucky a few years ago. I uh, can't think of his name off the top of my head, but um, I think that that would solidify their pass rush. Um, at two, I agree with most of y'all. I got Detroit uh, taking, um, taking Mr. Walker um, out of Georgia, Trayvon Walker. Uh, I think that you know, Detroit just got so many holes. They just literally got to go uh, best player available. And I think in this situation, uh, he fits the bill. Uh, 6'5", 270, can play inside, outside, along the line. That versatility, I think, will um, will be what they're looking for here. At number three with Houston, this one, it can go so many different ways. Uh, but um, I believe that they will go tackle here. Um, at this spot, and believe it or not, um, I got them going with Cross at number three at uh, at tackle. I mean, he's regarded as having the best hands, uh, the best footwork, uh, the best pure pass blocking um, left tackle in this draft. And I think that when you're trying to build the confidence of uh, their quarterback that they have, uh, the young quarterback they have in Houston, I think providing him with the best pass blocking um, Fundamentally sound left tackle will, will do the trick for them at three. Um, at number four, with the Jets, it's got to be, it's going to be defense. I just can't decide between, it's just hard to decide between cornerback and, uh, and DN, but I'm going to go ahead and say that the Jets will go with the cornerback based on who they got to play in their division. I mean, you look at what Miami got with Waddle and uh, Tyreek Hill, what Buffalo got with, um, uh, with um, Evans and that squad, um, Diggs and them. Um, so yeah, I, I see cornerback being a, a bigger need for the uh, for the Jets at this particular spot. Uh, number five, the Giants. Um, I got them going, even though they took uh, Walker from Georgia at the play tackle um, um, before. I mean, sorry, Thomas at tackle before. I see them double dipping again. Um, so this time I got them getting Evan Neal. 
um, at five to play tackle. Now that comes down to the Panthers at six. Um, again, Edgar kind of stole my little trade back scenario, so I don't want to duplicate it here. So I'm gonna play devil's advocate. I'm gonna I'm gonna make Panthers Twitter mad, and I'm gonna have the Panthers taking Malik Willis at six uh, for the Panthers because two things for me has been consistent when I've been listening to Panthers talk. Number one, with Scott Fitterer, he said repeatedly, anytime it's been brought up, the best case scenario is uh, getting your quarterback on a five-year deal that you can build around so that you can um, have the, the, the cap in place to uh, build around your team. So quarterback with a fifth-year option, um, I like that. And then Ben McAdoo said, I'm the type of coach that I go for a, uh, a player that's uh, real high on tweaks, uh, on straight swing for the fences type of guy. He said that multiple times. So when you think about it, a lot of quarterbacks in this class who has the the biggest, highest upswing and when it comes to QB traits. Uh, so for me, I'm going to go with where I've been at pretty much this whole draft process. I'm going to go with Panthers taking Malik Willis uh, at, at uh, six. And like I say, setting Panthers Twitter on fire. Um, at seven, um, I got the Giants. Um, I got them getting, um, what's his name? Sauce Gardner. Uh, I got him there because the whole thing with Bradbury, uh, I don't know if they're going to trade him. What's the scenario with that? Uh, definitely didn't see that coming. So I got the uh, Giants uh, um, doing that again, just based on who's in their uh, who's in their division, who they got to cover. I think the cornerback is a need uh, for the Giants there. Uh, number eight with the Falcons. Um, with all that's going on with Julio, Calvin Ridley, uh, I say that they. Um, reach out and grab the best wide receiver in this uh, draft. I see them getting the wide receiver. Um, uh, what's his name on Ohio State? Uh, not Olay, but the other one. Garrett, Garrett Wilson. Wilson. Garrett Wilson. Yeah, I got Garrett Wilson going to number eight uh, to the Falcons um, because if not, that wide receiver core is is trash. And with Marcus Murray as your quarterback, you need to give him as many weapons as possible. Um, going at number nine, Seattle Seahawks here. Um, uh, Pete Carroll been a defensive guy. I see him going defense, and I see him going after uh, Kayvon Thibodeau. Um, I think they take the local kid, um, keep him in the Northwest, and I think that they'll go ahead and uh, start uh, try to rebuild the, quote, Legion of Boom 2.0, uh, but particularly on the defensive side. So I will go there. And finally, the Jets at number 10. Um, I know they went cornerback earlier. So this time I got them going um, defensive end. And this time I got them going um, Jermaine Johnson out of Florida State. You're on mute, Curtis. Kevin, a couple questions. Why Charles sure. Cross, the first tackle off the board and why the slip for Thibodeau? Well, with Charles Cross, um, I know there was questioning, was he physical enough in the run game? Um, you know, if you go back and watch the film like we have, he definitely did just because there's a stigmatism because he was in a pass heavy offense that he's not quote able to be effective in the run game, uh, very effective in the run game. So, again, when you got uh, the young quarterback out of 
uh, Houston that you're going to build around. I think it's very important to provide him assurance that his blind side is going to be uh, be protected. So that's why I, um, that's why I had him um, going there just just simply off the uh, the fact that the scouts are all in agreement that far as all the left tackle prospects, uh, he has the best uh, pure left tackle traits uh, that that uh, that's available between the top three between Neil uh, Iquanu and uh, Cross. Um, and as far as um, as far as Thibodeau slipping, I just think it is, it's got nothing to do with talent. I just think that every year there's always a player that slips unexpectedly. Um, there's really no rhyme or reason. Um, I was just, you know, just want to play Devin's advocate here and throw something different than want to regurgitate what the, everybody else was saying. That's fair. That's fair. And, and Our, one thing I wanted to add, because me and Kevin both had Malik Willis to the Panthers at six, um, something I saw today was that uh, Hugh Freeze, the, the coach at Liberty, says that he has had no talks with the Lions in regards to Malik Willis and, you know, preliminary talks with NFL teams who may be interested, and that uh, the Carolina Panthers, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and the Atlanta Falcons are the ones that he has – that he knows have spent an enormous time with Malik Willis. You know, I was looking for that interview. I could not find that damn thing. Um, today it was it was on the Rich Eisen show. Is that what it was? Okay, yeah, I missed that. All yeah. right, we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, I'm going to go ahead with my mock draft here to round things out. I thought it was interesting. Just one thing to note: every one of us had Sauce Gardner going to the Texans, except for Kevin. And maybe Kevin was just doing something different. Um, I don't care if mine is the same as your guys' is. I'm sticking with my gun, so I look I, I look good if I get some of these right. So um, just to know, last year, just to brag a little bit, I had six of the eight picks right last year for the top eight picks. I got Carolina wrong. I thought they were going to go Justin Fields, and I had San Fran wrong. I picked quarterback. They went with Trey Lance. I had Mac Jones. Um, but here we go. This is this draft is way more unpredictable. Um, Jaguars, I think I think this uh, the heat is real here. I think they go Trayvon Walker. Um, JJ, I thought it was interesting. You talked about traits. Um, I think Blocky, you know, he went Alden Smith over JJ Watt, um, and I think Trayvon Walker's traits. I mean, the guy had a nine nine point nine nine. Raz score. I think, I think they go traits over a guy with production. You look at Aiden Hutchinson, 13 sacks last year. Trayvon Walker had what five, I think it was five last year. I think they're going to go with, I think they're going to go with Trayvon Walker at one lions. I think, I think Aiden Hutchinson sticks in, in Michigan, the hometown hero lions get their guy. Um, Texans, I'm, I'm in agreement with a lot of you guys here. Uh, I think they go Sauce Gardner. I had a hard time with this one. Um, you asked me about a month ago, I would have probably said Evan Neal. Um, but it just seems like the cornerback position is picking up steam with this team. Um, Jets, I don't think they're satisfied on the offensive line. I think they go Iki Aquanu, the tackle out of NC State. I personally think he's the best tackle in this draft. Um, we, me and Bryson dropped our rankings, I think two weeks ago now, 
Um, but I think, I think they get another offensive tackle. They've had some issues with some of the guys they've drafted with injuries. Giants. Um, I think the, the love for Charles Cross is real. I think they go tackle here too because they're worried about Carolina maybe going and not getting one at seven. Um, so I'm going to go with Charles Cross, the, the Giants. Panthers I struggled with. Um, Evan Neal's on the board. Malik Willis is there. I like Kenny Pickett. I don't think they go that route at six, maybe in a trade back. Um, but I'm going to go with Malik Willis. Uh, Neal is hard to pass up, um, but I think they get a guy who they're betting on, you know, becoming a an elite elite franchise quarterback in a couple years here. Um, he's going to be he's going to bring energy back to this team the way Cam Newton did. Um, if anyone's watched his pro day, you've, you've seen how the guy delivered. Um, I know it's in tights and it's scripted, but um, I think Fitterer likes that. Um, and, you know, from people we've talked to, there's some rumblings that, you know, quarterback is something they're, they're, they're looking strong on. So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with what we've heard from people, and I'm going to go Malik Willis. Um, Seven, this is the slip of the draft. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau here. I think Giants could use an edge rusher. Best player available. Why not take him? Um, Falcons, no Kelvin Ridley, Kelvin Ridley. No Russell Gage. No Julio anymore. They got to get a wide receiver. I think they go Garrett Wilson. Seahawks, I mean, this could be a big steal if there, there, there's reports now that, and I think Kevin had mentioned it, that Evan Neal's slipping because of the medicals. Um, but I think, I think Seattle gets their replacement for Dwayne Brown and they, they get Evan Neal. I also could see them going corner here with maybe Derek Stingley. That was my other option. And then to round out the top 10, I have the Jets taking Drake London wide receiver. I think with them going hard after Tyreek Hill, they're going to want another wide receiver besides Corey Davis and Elijah Moore. So that's kind of where I'm at with my top 10. Um, so Curtis, you think that the, I, I know you like Kenny Pickett a lot. And I think that you had Kenny Pickett rank over Malik Willis in your quarterback ranking. So you think that if both are there, Carolina goes Malik Willis over Kenny Pickett. Yeah. Things have changed in the last couple of weeks from, from people we've talked to. So I, I, I think there's maybe some more love for Malik Willis. Um, and I think it's a move where they're betting on, you know, he fits the mold for the QBs of the NFL right now. Um, and I think that's what they're betting on. And Kevin brought it up with Ben McAdoo, his comments. Um, I really do believe Carolina is going to take a swing at the at QB in this draft. Scott Fitter has mentioned it ever since the end of the year presser um, that you got to take a shot at some point. If you're in the top 10, you got to take a shot for that QB. Um, again, it's going to be tough if Evan Neal's sitting there. Um, but I think, I think this is the year they finally take their shot. You know, I, I think 
I think all the QB talk in Carolina, and I might be wrong, but from the very beginning, <clears throat> although I want Malik Willis, I mean, I think I've been clear on Twitter and expressing my love for Malik Willis. Um, you know, for the purpose of this discussion, I personally don't think any of the quarterbacks are top 10. I just believe that Malik Willis is the only one that's worth taking a risk for uh, because of his upside. So if you had to go get a quarterback, I think that Malik Willis is the guy that you bet on. But the problem I have is that, you know, Matt Rule is still the head coach. And I believe he's on the hot seat. You know, some people believe his job is secure, but I, I, I believe that his seat is hot as fire. And I don't think he's going to trust his job to a, to a guy that he can't play in the first year. And that's my only argument against them taking Malik Willis. Although I want him, I think the fan base should want him because we're looking at the future. We're looking at two years down the road, three years down the road. I don't think Matt Rule has that much time. And I think he'll have to go a different direction at quarterback. And even if it is a rookie, it won't be Malik Willis because I don't think he can, I don't think he'll get the time to develop him. Um, so it'll be a big gamble for them to take Malik Willis. And the other part is if they did it, it would it would signal that that Scott Fitterer is truly running the, you know, the the GM operation by himself and he's taken over. And whatever happens with Matt Rule, Tepper's okay with. And you know, and everybody is okay with inside the building. And so that's that's my only issue with that. I think I think the smoke is we want one of these top QBs so somebody like Pittsburgh can jump up and get them so they can, I mean, hopefully, you know, trade with them so they can move back in the draft um, or get somebody to move ahead of them so a more valuable position uh, player falls to them at six that somebody else might covet and move up for them. I think they want as many opportunities as they can to either, you know, trade back or get the player that they feel like they truly love. Um, I, I just wonder how much influence Ben McAdoo has on on the draft pick at six because just with his comments and swinging for the fences and and his track record on his quarterback rankings, really, uh, he he doesn't miss. Uh, he, he doesn't. So, so I, mean, I, 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 I ask you this question, though, and I guess I should ask Curtis since he's uh, Matt Rule. Um, Curtis, if you were if you were Matt Rule and your job was on the line, would you let Ben McAdoo make the decision for your career? I mean, is isn't that why you hired him to be? Well, he, the... he, he, he turned him down twice before now, so I'm, I'm just asking. <laughs> I, I feel like it's tongue in cheek. If personally. With with Bryson has mentioned with Ben McAdoo's track record, you got to give the guy some you know weight in the room. I think. I mean, the guy has not failed um, at you know projecting these prospects, and um, uh, and it, I think it's tough. It's tough to say because um, I can see the argument well and every analyst is going to be like well it's it's Kenny Pickett Matt Rule's job is on the line but 
you know, we talked to Sheena last week and she was on the record saying, you know, and maybe that's why Matt Rule is kind of going away from that. And he's going away from Kenny Pickett because, you know, in the past that hasn't worked out. Um, and and I think that Teddy Bridgewater and Sam Darnold. So yeah, and and, and drafting a, a rookie quarterback like Malik Willis, it could, it could I could see it going two ways. So if he goes if he plays earlier than he should and plays well, then of course that looks good for Matt Rule. And if he doesn't play, then Matt Rule has the angle of we have this quarterback in in waiting. Uh, you know we we you know we we ate our bad medicine with Sam Darnold this season and. Malik, Malik is ready to go next season, and the defense played good. If you know if they play good again, and I think that that could buy him another year. So I think that either way with Malik Willis, I really don't see that if if he is the draft pick, I don't see that solely being the the hinge on him losing his job or not. And before JJ, you jump in here. Let's just at pull the room here just quick. We don't need long response to this. Do you think if the Panthers draft a rookie, it's going to buy Matt Rule more time? Edgar, we'll start with you. If they win, like at the end of the day, it's if they win, right? And so for me, I mean, one thing to add to the commentary is that like, yes, there's Matt Rule, yes, there's been active. There's also Scott Fitterer and there's also Dan Morgan, right? So who is the quarterback during Scott Fitterer's time? They drafted a guy named Russell Wilson. Who is the quarterback during Dan Morgan's time? It was Josh Allen, right? And then you have Ben McAdoo, who's on the record and talking about swinging for the fences. So, like, even though all this is all centered around Matt Rule, there's other people in the room. He had two swings, and I know JD doesn't hear this. I mean, he failed with Teddy. He failed with Sam. And so at some level, it's just like, hey, you don't get to bat anymore. You're, you're done. And so, like, I think he could – there could be a scenario, whether it's Malik Willis or another QB, where he still gets to keep his job if they win. Like, at the end of the day, I don't care if you have a rookie QB and they go zero and, and 17. You have to win to keep your job. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. who you draft or who you pick. Mm-hmm. Kevin? Yeah, because I can make a case that with any one of the quarterbacks, you know, Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett, none of them are ready to start it, even though they're, the stigmatism going out is as pro-ready. Uh, because, again, you know, when you listen to the listen to the uh, comments of Ben McAdoo the other day, he was saying that, yeah, readiness is one thing, but uh, readiness doesn't equate to playing well. Um, for a rookie court for a rookie quarterback uh, so in the sense of things plus with Matt Rue kind of having this nonchalant yeah if I'm Panthers coach cool but yeah I, I still go back to college and do it too so for me um, I don't think a rookie quarterback uh, is going to save his job I, I really think that um, with this schedule I know how it's looked on paper it looks absolutely brutal um, as far as like the teams that we got to play I said way back in January, like three and 14 season loading because this schedule is, I mean, even though we got nine home games this year, this schedule is absolutely brutal. So for me, um, I don't see a rookie quarterback uh, sparing Matt Rule. Like he's got to make everything else work regardless of quarterback play, even though that's has a, I know that sounds kind of weird that quarterback play does dictate, but when you look at the options, like was said today, the free agent options, why are they still free agents? Why nobody else wants them? You got rookie quarterbacks that nobody else, you know, quote, think is is ready. So, you know, you're shit out of luck going quarterback route any way, either way that you go. It's going to be difficult. So how are you going to improve the other parts of this team to make it easier for whoever's that quarterback? And so I just don't see it saving him. JJ, does a rookie QB give Matt Rule another year in 2023? No. 
I don't think it does. I look at Matt Rule as being in a situation like um, Nagy out of Chicago where he needs a quarterback, but just depending on, like, I think Nagy was in a situation where he's coaching for his job, um, and he also needed a rookie quarterback, but he couldn't afford for that rookie quarterback to play out the gate, right? For the, for the you know, for the purposes of the development of the rookie QB, um, you know, and not rushing him out there. Um, but also for the fact that because he drafted a rookie QB, he still didn't have a really good line around him. And, you know, he needed to go with Dalton and because – wasn't there Dalton up there? Yeah. 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 And so he needed to go with Dalton because that was somebody that he could trust out there with the line he had and everything. And it just went bad. I think we would be in a, a similar situation with drafting Malik if we have to stick with Sam against that brutal schedule that Kevin just mentioned. And, you know, even if you have to rush Malik out there because, you know, the, the team just isn't ready, although we have improved the offensive line, but they're just not ready to protect um, a rookie that, that's not ready to play, kind of like Fields was last year, then it just looks horrible. And I think if you end up 3-14, um, and like Edgar said, if you don't win, then I think, Dave Tepper just can't afford to keep him beyond this year. So, no, you know, just keep it short. No, I don't think it saves Matt Rule to, to draft a rookie. I think that if Matt Rule has his choice, if Matt Rule is the one making the decision for the quarterback room, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the quarterback for the Carolina Panthers next season. But I think that if they do draft a rookie, um, I think – like I mentioned earlier, I don't think his job hinges solely on that. I think if the offensive line improves uh, as a whole, the defense plays well with losing Hassan Reddick and J.C. Horn comes out and is a top 10 corner in the league in his second season, I think that Matt Rule could keep his job another year. Yeah, I'm, I don't think it's safe. I don't think getting a rookie saves him. I mean, the NFL has proven that. J.J. mentioned it with the Bears. Um, I think this is a Justin Fields situation if they go – the Malik Willis route, um, Matt Rule's got to win. Like, if, if this guy ain't scratching the wild card, I mean, I don't, I don't think he's, I think he's gone. I really do. Tepper has got way too much shit going on right now between Rock Hill, <laughs> several multiple losing seasons. Like, it's a disaster. Old Dan Snyder. <laughs> Old Dan Not to Snyder. that level. Not to that level. But really, seriously, like he's. He's uh he's got way too many damn problems. I think no no matter what. And I I honestly I'm I'm kind of on Bryson on this. If, if this is how you feel, at least on what I'm gauging, is I think if they go Willis, I think he's gonna be playing pretty early on. If you if you listen to Ben McAdoo, they asked him about playing a rookie, and I think he said, quote, you, you gotta put their feet to the fire. Like you got to see what these guys got. And I don't know if that's the right approach of Malik because a lot of, you know, a lot of analysts say this, you got to redshirt the guy. Like this guy's got it. It's going to take time. He's like Trey Lance. Um, And I, I, I I tend to agree with that. So it's, that is kind of scary. But you know, you never know. I, I I don't think true, truly people know what's going to happen and how Malik Willis is going to develop in this league. Um, But it definitely creates a good conversation. That's for sure. Well, I'll, I'll put it like this. Oh. No, I mean, I'm sorry. 
I'm just going to say this little piece. You know, you mentioned Jimmy Garoppolo earlier. You know, if Matt Rule has his way, then he goes with a Jimmy Garoppolo or maybe even Baker Mayfield. That's that's my choice between the two vets. Um, however, you know, when I look at Malik Willis, I do compare him to Trey Lance. And the fact that, you know, you're picking a guy with all the athleticism, you know, big arm talent. You know, everybody thought San Francisco was going Mac Jones, right? Uh, you know, for many of the same reasons people think the Carolina Panthers should go with Kenny Pickett. But at the end of the day, when they had to make a decision, they chose all that athleticism, that new age quarterback, um, big arm type thing, and went with Trey Lance and surprised a lot of people. I think Carolina would pick Willis for the same reasons. Now, when you look at how everything played out in San Francisco, they went into you know, the offseason and training camp. And at the end of the day, Trey Lance wasn't ready to beat out Jimmy Garoppolo yet, right? I don't think Malik Willis would beat out Sam Donald in training camp. And that's not saying that Sam Donald is great. I just think Sam Donald knows how to go to practice, right? You know, he knows how to be a QB at the NFL level, you know, when, you know, when the heat really isn't on, when he's just going through the process, you know, wearing the red jersey. And I don't know if Malik Willis would get there, you know, in what, five months time to be ready for the NFL season. And, you know, then when, you know, Sam, let's say it's Sam, you know, Sam is taking all those first team reps and you go out there and, you know, and, and, you know, what we like start the season two and four or something. I don't think you just, you, you should throw Malik Willis in at that point, because I think you still have a really good chance of ruining Willis if you play him too early. I would rather, you know, if I drafted Willis, I'd rather be in a situation where I could like sit here comfortably for a full year, kind of like Kansas City did Patrick Mahomes. Um, like Patrick Mahomes didn't play until the final week of that season, if I remember correctly, because they had somebody, you know, they had a good team and they had a quarterback that they could trust until he was ready. I think if the Panthers drafted Malik Willis, I think they still should go and see if they can get another another vet QB or you know, I, because I don't think they want to see Sam play at all. Like, I still would try to see if I could get um, Jimmy Garoppolo or Bacon Mayfield for this year. You know, somebody better to groom a rookie under um, than to have a rookie try to learn from Sam Donald, because I don't think he's the type of QB that you want a young QB to see as the example for being a franchise QB. Now, we got to talk. I want to get your guys on the record on this, because our listeners know where me and Bryson stand. Um, we talked about Malik. Clearly, Kenny Pickett is on the Panthers list, just based off connection. I mean, that's the at the base. Um, what do you like about Kenny? What do you not like about Kenny Pickett? Kevin, we'll start with you. Well, the thing that we notice on Kenny Pickett and in the four-man rush, there is a... <laughs> There is a little bit of division. There's team um, Pickett and there's team um, Willis uh, amongst us. So uh, it's our chats. If we could ever post those, those would be some entertainment for you guys. But um, before staying, there'd be we some charges if there was if you posted that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But um, but first things with Kenny Pickett, um, one of the things that really stick out that he's been consistent with is. Um, he leaves the pocket way too early. 
with very little, if any, pressure. Um, there were multiple times where there was only a three-man rush, and the minute someone maybe flashed, he's he's taking off instead of stepping up in the pocket. You know, he's hitting a circle button on his controller and doing a spin move out, and you know, either running out of bounds or throwing it. Uh, and I'm like, wow, if three-man pressure, like that's the 30 front, like, dude, like, you know, this, and this is in college. Um, <laughs> you know, what, what you going to do when, when the Ravens come to town and they <laughs> send six, you know what I'm saying? Like it, it just really, uh, it's just, he just leaves the pocket too early without just cause instead of stepping up and, you know, keeping his eyes downfield, he seems to really kind of, bail the pocket too quick and take a minimum game where if he would have stepped up, he could have got a bigger game. Um, that's one of the things with him. Also, uh, with him as well, he he has very good arm strength, but you don't see it displayed often as far as being really too um, – and I know everybody like the big home run plays, the big deep ball. You know, that's what everybody put, you know, Teddy Bridgewater across for that he couldn't throw it. Then we got Donald, who got good arm talent, but don't have enough between the ears. And we saw how that worked out. So you got to have that balance of having it between the ears as well as in the arm. Uh, with with Pickett, I, I just I just think that he just reminds his game reminds me a lot like you know uh, Kirk Cousins coming out of Michigan State, and it's like that's a good quarterback, but as a franchise that's never had back to back winning seasons and no Lombardis, is is does he had a type of quarterback play that's going to really elevate you to that level. Um, so those are two of the things that just kind of stand out about uh, Kenny Pickett uh, from, from my aspect. Edgar? I mean, I, I'm not against, I'm not anti-Kenny Pickett. Going backwards, though, like talking about development of quarterbacks, I know JJ mentioned Patrick Mahomes. Like one thing that bothers me is this idea of like development and then maybe I don't, I don't want to talk about black quarterbacks, but like why does it have to, why do they have to redshirt a year why can't people learn on the job? You know, like I think about Cam and obviously Cam's an outlier. I think about Peyton Manning, his first year, he threw so many interceptions. Like why can't you, why do you have to develop sitting on the bench? Right. And so like, I feel like people who sit on the bench were when Will Greer was like, hey, dude, put Will Greer in, you know, and the, the reason why I didn't put him in is because he's not good, not because he still needs to learn or develop. And so there's just, I, I feel like there's a stigma that like, Oh, Malik needs to sit down and learn an offense or learn how to read defense or whatever. Like, dude, like, wow it takes the whole year. Like at some point it's like what Bryson said, like putting feet to the fire, like you have to learn while in the pocket. And for me, for me, a differentiator is like, I like my QBs like tough. Like I want them to stay in the pocket. What Kip, what Kevin said, like, I don't want someone skittish. I don't want someone to like, I feel something I leave or bail. I want someone like Cam who just sat there, like maybe to his own detriment and got sacked, but he's not going to just bolt. He's just going to stay there. Uh, like someone like Josh Allen or, or Patrick Mahomes. Like I don't mind. I'd love a QB that would just be willing to sit there and not get bothered. And if they get hit by a guy, they're not going to be freaking out. I like Matt Corral. Like he has toughness upon toughness. I know like one of his drawbacks is that he's small. And so like maybe his toughness plus like the way that he plays will probably lead to more injuries. Um, but like, I just like that guy that stuff. I think Malik Willis is more of that guy. doesn't mean that Kenny Pickett can't be that guy or can't develop into that guy. But just like what Kevin said, when I watch him, um, he actually, like, you know, from PFF and analytics, like, oh, he actually has a really good QB rating when under pressure. But the way that he does it, like, does that translate to the NFL? Like what Kevin said, when Baltimore or somebody else does that, he can't do some of the things that he was doing and got away with in college. Um, but I see Malik's Willis, Malik Willis's traits transfer 
I want a tough guy, a guy that breaks tackles that like, doesn't, isn't afraid of contact. Like why can't we have a quarterback that isn't afraid of contact? That's like, that's what I want. And maybe Kenny can be that guy, but I just feel more certain about one than the other. doesn't mean like I'm, I've always been a big believer when it comes to draft. I always want to believe in a player first before like destroying or burying somebody like, give him a shot first. Like every, everybody missed on Brady. People missed on Wilson. People missed on Dak Prescott. Like why do people fail at the draft? Why don't we give these kids a chance? Why do we think they're going to suck? Like, why don't you give them a shot first before we start burying them before they go up and make it to the league? Just one quick thing. And I thought I saw this on Twitter. Didn't Kenny Pickett have the most touchdowns under pressure? I think that's a stat. Someone can look that up, but just to take note, JJ, what do you like? What do you hate about Kenny Pickett? Let me say this about Kenny Pickett because I have been very uh, annoyed by the the Kenny Pickett to to Carolina banter, um, and it's and not not with you, Kurt. I know that you um, your name is Curtis Pickett, um, but but no um, with Kenny Pickett, I just talk about the things I like because honestly, as a as somebody who watches football, I don't consider myself an analyst or any of that fancy stuff. I just watch guys play. I can pull up a tweet during the college season last year, early, like like middle of the season, when I was looking at quarterbacks. And I saw Kenny Pickett before he went on, you know, the run that took him, you know, to finish as, as well as he did. And I tweeted, I was like, Carolina Panthers fans are going to want Malik Willis, but the Panthers are going to want Kenny Pickett. I didn't know about the rule affiliation. I didn't know about the, I mean, I should have known about the temper affiliation. I just didn't link those things together. But the reason I thought that they would like him is because I think Kenny Pickett is a lot like Teddy Bridgewater. I think he's a guy that's fit for Joe Brady's offense, right? And I think if they had... I think if he was coming into a team that still had Joe Brady, you know, year three, and they had an ideal type guy to run that offense, that Saint style offense, I think it was you, um, Bryce, you know, in your trade-up scenario that had, well, didn't you have Kenny Pickett going to the Saints? Yep. That was you, right? So just, yep. just follow me here. I thought Kenny Pickett was perfect for Joe Brady because Joe Brady ran Sean Payton's offense. The short, quick passing game, you know, like not needing a big arm, because Kenny Pickett has a good arm. He doesn't have an elite arm, right? And even when I watch his film, I've seen Kenny Pickett make similar throws to what Teddy made in 2020, where you have a guy streaking down the field. He throws it deep. He completes the deep ball. But what should have been six ends up being a jump ball, right? You know, because he couldn't throw the ball 60 yards, he could only throw the ball 55 yards, right? Um, so I, I, there's not a lot, a lot to dislike about Kenny Pickett. You can go with the hand size and, you know, and, and project that to be problematic at the NFL level because he will get hit. He will get hit by bigger, stronger, faster men that, 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 that will hit him in college. And so that could be problematic at the NFL level, but who knows that, right? You know, I'm kind of like Edgar. I don't want to say a guy's going to be trash before they actually become trash, right? You know, if I think there's there are certain offenses where Kenny Pickett can be successful, but I do think his ceiling is capped 
at like that Kirk Cousins level. And some people are very good, you know, with having Kirk Cousins. Some people are very good with having Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, and I think that's like his his ceiling tier. And I think as a fan, or no, not it doesn't even matter what we think. I think as an organization, you have to ask yourself, is that type of quarterback good enough to get me to the promised land? Because if it is, then maybe Kenny Pickett is your guy, right? But in today's league, and everybody in the world saw Josh Allen's big arm on display during the playoffs, and even before the playoffs. And you saw two quarterbacks going head-to-head, throw-for-throw, and you were just mesmerized, right? And so now I think the problem is, is that everybody has caught on that unless you have a guy that can basically take advantage of everything the NFL offers offenses, then you're going to be behind the eight ball. And Kenny Pickett doesn't give you all of that. But if that's not your way of thinking, if you think like what Matt Rule told us he was in, you know, in 2020, that you don't have to have like an elite quarterback play, but you need to have a really good team and you have to have a, a quarterback that was willing to make the plays when it was necessary, I think Kenny Pickett can be that guy. Um, the only thing I don't like about him is what I just said. You know, I want him to get into the hand size because I don't know what, what becomes of that. I think it's just that at six, I think he I think it's a reach. If they trade it back to like the mid to to like early 20s in the draft and they landed Kenny Pickett, I think that's something that you can easily accept. I think it's a super reach at six. So that's the only thing I don't like. So Kenny Pickett. I think he's going to be a, a, a fine QB. I think he'll be a pretty decent QB. I think when you look up in four or five years, even if he's successful, you would have him right where Kevin had him. And that's at like that Kirk Cousins, you know, 10 to 15 range in terms of how he would rank amongst the other 32. I don't like the fact that he fumbled the ball 38 times in college. That scares me. Uh, I, I know his hand size plays – plays into that, uh, getting hit in the pocket and holding on to the ball. So uh, leaving clean pockets, being skittish, fumbling. Um, I've seen enough of that with Sam Darnold, and I'm, I'm just good on that. Enough of that with Kyle Allen because, you know, he was a fumbling machine too. True. But oddly enough, it's been quarterbacks with bigger hand sizes who fumbled more than that too. So I, I, I kind of think the hand size thing is somewhat overblown. I mean, it's ridiculous. some truth to it. But um, yeah, that's that's just me. Certain metrics just uh, just well, doesn't seem. He's like, not like, Michael Vick. So uh, <laughs> Michael Vick is the last quarterback with eight eight and a half inch hands that was successful. So mm-hmm. I, I think that there is some truth to that metric as a quarterback because one, the ball is bigger in the NFL. He fumbled thirty eight times in college with a smaller ball. What did he uh, fumble though this year? Do you have that stat? Get that out first. I think he had like four. Yeah, Why does it matter exactly. what he did this year? Then because he improved, career? he improved. He still fumbled though. It, it's, it's an still... improvement. Hey, calm down, Curtis Pickett. Calm down, Curtis Pickett. <laughs> it's an improvement. <laughs> and hey, you could say the weather with the small hands. He played at Pittsburgh and threw 40, 42 touchdowns. I mean, I I didn't say weather. I just said yeah, I, I. It's clear on on tape that he gets skittish in the pocket. That's clear. I don't disagree. I I I'm on record last week. I watched Kenny Pickett's tape in January. I told you my first thing that I wrote down is a con. Gets antsy in a clean pocket. That's the first thing I wrote. 
I don't disagree. I don't disagree with you guys. Um, And I'm not going to get on the record because I'm not going to play one against four. So I'm smarter than that. I did that in January. I did that in February with Matt Rule. I'm not going to do that here. But um, everyone knows where I stand on Kenny Pickett. So we'll just leave at that. But let's, let's go on. on we got to get to this. We got to get to yeah. this mock draft. Um, Edgar, are you going to be able to stick around for this? Um, I'll step away. But I did want to say thank you for having me. Oh yes. Um, I did want to say a couple things. One. Um, JJ, shout out for Trent McDuffie. So shout out to St. John Bosco. Trent McDuffie is a great human being. Hope he does well in the league. And then, like, I don't know if you'll ever touch upon this because I know one at some point we're going to say, who's going to play quarterback next year? I know JJ and I talked about it. I'm out on Baker Mayfield, right? If a team's going to spend all this money and go out to get the Sean Watson, the air humper, whatever, like, that shows you how an organization feels about Baker. Jimmy G, like, fine, he's cool, whatever. The 49ers traded up all this assets and went up and to get Trey Lance. Like, why would you do that if you were comfortable with Jimmy G? So, like, I'm out on almost every quarterback. I was a roll of dice on something that people want, but I'm out on everything. But if you get to that point, you know how Amen. I stand on those things. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> well, thank you for coming on, Edgar. You're always good, and we love having you on the show, and we'll we'll try to get you on here uh, once the draft is over. All right, let's, let's get – so we teased this at the beginning of the show – we're going to do a mock draft here. Um, before the show, I kind of elected who is where where we're going to stand on this. Um, but we're going to do kind of like a mock draft war, uh, war room. We're going to talk through things, lay out our big board um, as a group and decide on that. And then we're going to go into this draft. Um, but for folks out there, I'm going to uh, I'm going to play Matt Rule. Bryson is going to be the GM, Scott Fitterer. JJ is going to be Ben McAdoo. And Kevin, the O-line guru with the four-man rush, is going to play uh, is going to play the role as Campin. I solely focused on the needs and what Carolina maybe would be looking at. Um, and really no the same way as you, Curtis. Yeah, I, I no, it, yeah. and not really a particular order because I know we can have this discussion, but I had Evan Neal, Aquanu, Cross, Willis, Pickett, Trayvon Walker, Thibodeau, Matt Corral, and Desmond Ritter. And that was kind of my where I was thinking. Um, Kevin, what what did you have? Hold on for a minute. Hold on for a minute. You know I'm being McAdoo, and I'm a little slow sometimes. Let me go back and do it the way that <laughs> because you know I'm panther now, and I need to make sure that I'm on board with everybody else in the room. So I'm gonna go back and rearrange my board based on what we need, not the NFL needs. <laughs> Kevin, go ahead. All right. Well, mine's just you know just straight up talent across the board. So here we go. Um, I had Thibodeau number one, Neil two, Hamilton three, Sauce Gardner four. I have Booth at five, Equanu at six. Then I got Hutchison. I got Linderbaum. I got Cross. And then I got Stingley. Bryson? Yeah, I, I did mine uh, based on Carolina's needs. Uh, I had Malik Willis at one, Evan Neal at two, Icky at three, Cross at four, uh, Matt Corral at five, Kenny Pickett at six, Kyle Hamilton at seven. And I only did eight. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau at eight. Well, guys, let's let's discuss this now because. Or can I go back again? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. 
So now that we're doing it for the Panthers, because I think that's the proper way to do it for this. At the top of my board is Cross. Second is Equinu. Third is Neil. Fourth is Willis. Fifth is Walker. Sixth is Hutchison. Seventh is Thibodeau. Is that in the, I'm in the right order? Did I skip the number? Well, I have Thibodeau. Then I have um, Gardner, Hamilton, and um, and um, Lindenbaum. I still have Lindenbaum. Now, JJ, you you want to run a a power run type of offense? Why are you putting a guy who has very little experience in the college level at one? Because I believe when you have that, guys like Icky and Evan Neal. Because ultimately, I want to throw the ball, right? Mm. You know, I'm being McAdoo. Mm -hmm. I made my name around the ball. Like, I want to be heavy-handed in the run game. You know, y'all like my term heavy-handed. I like to use that a lot. You know, but I want to be heavy-handed in the run game. But ultimately, I want to be able to protect my QB. Like, that's the problem in Carolina, right? And so I think as far as being the best left tackle, um, I think it's a consensus that that Cross is the, the ultimate left tackle in this draft in terms of pass protection. And I think he's good enough with the run blocking to translate to the power run game. Just because we haven't seen it a lot doesn't mean that he can't do it. He has all the traits. He's strong. He's fast. Um, you know, he's, he's nasty. And so we just need to make sure that we use those traits in the right way in our run scheme. And I think he actually, I think he can do it. I think he's shown in the past that he can do that. He didn't get to do that under his last head coach, but I think he'll be an excellent, um, excellent in the run game. Great in the past game and, uh, and, and excellent in the run game too. Kevin, you're, you're James Camp in here. What, what are your thoughts on the number one tackle in this draft? Are you, are you think cross cross can get there as a tackle or, or do you think someone else can slide in there? You're on mute. Sorry. So for me, it depends on your particular team, the type of tackle that you're looking for. Uh, you know, that, you know, I feel like that has a way to go with it. So are we looking for the completely balanced tackle who's. I like uh, balance. I like balance and I like positional flexibility. I want a guy with long arms. I know Charles Cross has got long arms, but there is a concern there with the run game. The And it's not that I don't think he can't do it. It's just the unknown of it. Right. I mean, yeah, unless you really go through all the run snaps and see it, I can definitely understand that, and many fans haven't. Um, but he got the uh, vote of approval from the offensive lineman godfather of Twitter, Mr. Duke Mannyweather. Um, he personally uh, said that he went back and reviewed all of uh, Cross's uh, run plays, and he said he has no problem feeling uh, – he, he said he feels very comfortable with him being able to either be a zone blocking or a, uh, a man blocking um, tackle at the, uh, at the NFL level. He said that uh, a lot of sometimes players get handicapped with the scheme that they're in, um, as far as like their ability to, um, as far as their ability to um, to translate over to the NFL, and but uh, he said that uh, as far as with 
um, with uh, when it comes to cross, he has no problems with it. So uh, taking his word plus with what we was able to see. Now, we didn't go through all the snaps. Uh, we just saw the ones from this past season. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's some work to be done, but as far as like the physicality, um, the angle, he takes good angles. Like he gets his head in between. Now, could he be a little bit more nasty with it? Sure, definitely. Uh, but as far as effectively, like, did he get in between the ball carrier and the um, and the defender? Yes, he does that a lot. And he can actually get to the second level to pick up those linebackers, too. So that's something that um, that 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 he is definitely uh, capable of doing. He just needs to do more of it at uh, at NFL uh, at NFL reps. So do but, we uh, to- oh, go, oh, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. Oh no no so so but as far as like complete as you as game earlier complete balance tackle uh, for me I think that's Evan Neal I think he's the balance tackle of this draft class uh, because when you look at it uh, Equanu is kind of that nasty run blocking you know Cross is that pretty pass blocker and then and then and then Neal is like okay you fused them together mm-hmm. you got Evan Neal so it just depends on what about team. his medicals though that's that's a concern. I mean, that's out there. I, I, I think, think – go ahead. No, go ahead. What you trying to say? You think what now? I, I think Icky's I think Icky's the number one guy. That's physical specimen. He's kind of what we want to do as an offense from my point of view. Um, he's nasty. I, I, talked to, I talked to Bryson or Scott Fitter last week, and – I mean, I, I call this guy, he's IHOP. I mean, this guy is serving up pancakes <laughs> left and right. He really is. And you watched, watched the uh, USF game. There was, um, I counted 17 run plays, 15 were to the left. And there's a reason for that because this guy is a machine. Yeah. Like, seriously, great. He's, he keeps a wide base. He doesn't get narrow, doesn't cross his feet. He gets to the second level on blocks. Icky is the guy, and he's the hometown here. I really, I really like Icky. What are your guys' thoughts on Icky at one for our big board? Well, Curtis, aka Matt Rule, I'm going to call you Mr. Cameron Irving and Mr. Pat Elfline. Uh, as the GM, you, you you have no you have no room uh, to address the offensive line. Uh, <laughs> leave, leave that to me and the other coaches, uh, Matt. Take a seat, please. Um, you, you're probably not going to be here after this year. So uh, I think I, I, I like cross the best. Um, I, I want to pass the ball. Uh, if Malik's there, though, we're going Malik Willis. And Dan and I are, are, are going to be here a while. And, you know, Dan, Dan might get a GM job somewhere else. But, but I know I'm going to be here. Matt, not so sure about you, buddy, but Malik Willis is, is number one on my board. So if we got to get a consensus here on the number one number one player on our big board, I don't think I don't think we're QB is where we're at right now. I think I think there's some other players at their position that are a better value. Um, JJ, Kevin, do you guys agree with that? Do you think Do you think Malik is is should be the number one player on our big board, or you think we should put in a tackle there? I think it should be a tackle. I think when you look at this particular draft class, I think the obvious strength of the class is tackle. Um, and then I think next is actually edge. 
um, mm-hmm. and then corner. So, so, so JJ, as Ben McAdoo, do you think it's that's the board as it as it lies, or as Ben McAdoo, do you think it's Malik Willis? No, as I mean, as Ben McAdoo, if you let me run this team, I would pick Malik Willis. But as somebody who understands offense, I know that in order to protect my quarterback, I need to protect him regardless of who the quarterback is, right? And I think the guy that can protect any kind of quarterback, a pocket passer, a mobile guy, is the guy who's done it the most. And Charles Cross is the guy who's done it the most. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know who the quarterback is going to be. You know, even if we draft the quarterback, we don't know if that guy's going to be an NFL starter. We don't know because all these guys are projects. Even the guy that I love, Malik Willis, he's a project. So right now we have Sam Donald and P.J. Walker as our, as our starters. After the weekend, we may trade and go get Jimmy G or Baker Mayfield. Regardless of who plays quarterback for us in 2022, that guy would need to have his blind side protected. I feel the most confident with, with Charles Cross protecting my quarterback's blind side. So, so JJ, you got Charles Cross one. Bryson said he'd agree with Charles Cross as number one in the offensive tackle. Campin, you've or Kevin, Kevin, you've been, um, you've had experience with this. You've you've had some very experienced offensive lines in Green Bay, some Pro Bowlers, some All Pro linemen. Are you comfortable with putting Cross as our number one offensive tackle? Do you think he can get to that level? If we're talking about uh, where he's where he can potentially get to, then yes, I can I can say that he can he could uh, be the uh, be the number one um, here. But now, if you want, you're hesitant. To look- Do you think it's Evan Neal? You're hesitant. Yeah, because I think the medical's overblown a little bit here, uh, and I've been reading on Twitter all day about what it is. Um, it's, it's kind of giving me Trey Smith vibes, you know, cause we took, we took him off our draft board all together and, you know, he had zero issues. I think he played in, um, nearly all their snaps, you know? So, uh, again, obviously, you know, all the teams will have more depth information on what's, uh, what's in those medicals, but, um, uh, he's just too much of a, a, uh, a talent, a proven talent at a high at a high efficient level with, like you said, Curtis, with that position flexibility, with that, um, you know, with that all-around balance of being highly effective in both the run and the pass. Um, so if I want someone that's at left tackle that's can, that, that can be the day one answer for 2022, it's 7-0. But if you're projecting best long-term left tackle, I can, uh, I can make a case for cross as well. Okay, so we're so we're comfortable. Charles Cross is a number one prospect. Is that right. where we are? All right. Yeah. All right. Are we saying Evan Neal second, a close second, like a one B, a one A, and a one B? Is that kind of where we're at? I would like actually 1A. have point two. <laughs> I would. I would. I would actually have Icky as my number two. Icky. You know, I, I would have in line with that. <laughs> I would have our dream scenario. Uh, the thing that we're going to look to do first is trade back, boys. We're, we're going to see what kind of offers we can get here. 
And if, if, if we can get some value that, that well, we yeah, like. we're going to, that's, not, that's, that's not, that is an option, but like as a big board, what is our number two, like player, player wise, that it's is definitely, definitely on the board. If Charles Cross has one, it's Malik Willis at two. But, uh, JJ, how do you feel about that? I know you're a big, for, big swing for the fences kind of guy. Do you think, you think Malik's Malik Willis's potential can get us above the value that Evan Neal and Iki Aquanu hold right now? I'm, I'm, I'm almost there. And I love Malik. I love Malik. But I'm still thinking about the fact that we may not play Malik this year. And I still want to protect my QB. Right? And so, because I don't even know if we all will agree to draft Malik, I'm still thinking about how the board should look and being objective, you know, for the purpose of this draft, I'm still going OT. I'm being true to my own board. Um, Icky is my number two. Icky is my number two. I think he still has, I mean, he's right. I mean, I, I told you that cross was my number one tackle, but it's, it's neck and neck between him and Icky. And, you know, if, we decide to go heavy run, then I think he's actually a better tackle than than Cross. But I'm a passing guy, and I really I'm really banking on the fact that you guys are gonna go give me a vet. You know, if we go if you guys go get me Jimmy Garoppolo, now I can deal, and mm-hmm. I want to be able to protect Jimmy. And so I'm going to go ahead and stick with Icky as my number two. Camp and where are you at with Icky and Neil? Because do we really want to sit here and say Neil or Icky or Neil the third, the third tackle on the sport? At I mean, at one point, this guy was might might have been the first player in the draft. So where are you at with Neil and Icky? Um, well, if we got crosses as the number one, um, again, because it's balanced, I, I still got to go with Neil as my number two and Icky as my number three. Because, again, when you look at the whole scope of the things, when you look at Icky, okay, first thing everybody that comes out is nasty and aggressive. You know, what about the rest? You know, his ability to bend, his pad level, footwork, hand-eye coordination, um, uh, his ability to um, flex his hips. These are the intricacies of playing left tackle that – He's still kind of raw at, even though he has shown and gotten better. And when you're facing the elite pass rushers, such as the Joey Bosa's of the uh, of the world uh, of the league and things like that, those are the type of things that you're gonna you're you're, you're gonna have to be fundamentally sound at um, here. And I just think that uh, with with Icky, again, if you can if you want to take some time to let you know, let me as camping, you know, develop him. Fine. I will, I will get him there. It's going to take some time, but I will, I will get him there. Uh, but, but if we're looking at um, who's going to be ready week one, um, I, I got still have to put Neil, uh, Neil ahead of him. Yeah. And, and, and as Scott Fitter here, Evan Neal is, is my number two player on my big board. So just behind Malik Willis, uh, I think Evan Neal is the best left tackle in this draft. So I, I would have to put Evan Neal at two. Yeah. And based off our track record, 
Um, I'm going to have to go with Campin. I mean, I think that's why we brought him here. If he's more comfortable with having Neil, I think we got to go with it. Um, so let, let's put Evan Neal as our, as our number two uh, player on the big board. I think number three is where things get interesting. I think we got to still consider – I know I know Fitterer is pushing Malik Willis, um, but you also got to consider the veterans. Uh, you know, McAdoo has mentioned Garoppolo and Mayfield. You got to put those guys on this big board too. Um, well, look, if guys, that, if that's in a consideration, look, guys, when I took this job, I knew that Matt was on the hot seat, okay? And I haven't had a job in years, like a legit job. I haven't called plays since 2016, 2017. This is my opportunity to, to prove that I can be an offensive coordinator at the NFL level. I came here to win. I told you guys that at the press conference the other day. I told all of our fans that I came here to win. And I think in order for Matt to win, for the Panthers to win, for me to prove that I can actually coach at this level, you're going to have to give me a vet. I mean, we can get a rookie. But even if we get a rookie, I'm going to need a vet. And so I, I, I want Malik, but I don't know if we are where we need to be as a team to bring in a guy like Malik if Matt's job is on the line. Because you know what happens if Matt is fired? Guess who else is fired? Me. And I'm not trying to get fired. So the reason I have these offensive tackles, you know, so high on my list is because I, I hope, um, Scott, <laughs> that you're going to give me a quarterback that I can win with. With that said, I'm okay with Neil being the guy if you guys think he can be a good left tackle because it's all about protecting that left tackle for me, protecting that quarterback for me. But so I'm I'm good with Neil being the guy. Where do but we like, where do we stand? Where do we stand at three then? If we got Charles Cross one, Evan Neal two, do we stick with this train of tackles and we're at Iki Aquanu, or or do you think these QBs need to start creeping in here? Because I'll tell you what, Kenny Pickett's out there, and you know he he committed to, he committed to me at Temple, and you know I am with 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 guys that I'm familiar with. Temple, look, dude, look, dude. Baylor. I really think Kenny Pickett could creep in here and could be you know maybe four or five. I'm comfortable with Icky. Icky's number one on my board. So I think him dropping this far is a little egregious. Um, so I, I'm all for Iki Aquanu at three on our draft board. And I'm good with that too. That's who I have as, as third. Well, it's just, I had him as second. But since y'all put Neil before him, then obviously he's my third. I'm pulling the general manager card here and and forcing a quarterback at three. Whether the team thinks it's, it's Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis, uh, I think that a quarterback provides more value uh, at three than a tackle would on the big board. I would have had Willis at three if we didn't go with Neil at two. But since you went with Neil at two, I have to get my second best tackle at three. Neil would have been fourth on my board. 
you know, after you all, you know, reminded me that we needed a quarterback. So I would have adjusted my board to put to put Willis at three. But since Neil is at two, I think Icky's better than Neil. So he shouldn't fall back more than one place for me. And since I have final roster decisions, we're going to go with Icky Iquanu at three. And uh, let's move. Let's whoa, move. whoa, 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 whoa. Let's let's move on to pick. We're not <laughs> so sure about that anymore. <laughs> let's move on to pick four. So let's let's. This is where Ben. We're gonna we're gonna rely on you a little bit more. You've had a good track record here at the QBs. Do you value Malik Willis as the top QB in this draft? And over a guy like Baker Mayfield and Jimmy Garoppolo, because you got to you got to have those guys in consideration too. Absolutely. I mean, I, I did. I don't know if you all have seen it, but I've had comments about Baker Mayfield and what I felt about him coming out of college. I mean, I thought he had good leadership skills, but I think he has some physical limitations. You know, he's short. He doesn't have the biggest hands, and he's not very athletic. You know, and at some point, you know, that's going to come back and haunt you. Like I told all the fans, you know, a week ago, I'm a swing for the fences type of guy. And Malik Willis is the only guy in this draft who you would swing for the fences for. And so I could have had Malik Willis as my number one on this board if if it was just about me and what I wanted. But I know that we need to protect the QB and we could possibly go out and get a vet like you guys have been talking about. So, but since we already have those guys at, at one, two, and three, the only guy I'm willing to put my name on in this draft is Malik Willis. Malik Willis has a cannon. He can throw the ball 75 yards. He probably runs a 4-3. He's built like a running back. The only limitation that Malik has that my eyes can see is that he's only six foot. And so I wonder if he can see over the middle of the field. He's only six, but I see you throw the two up there. Camping. Six two. Malik is six foot, man. I stood beside him at, at, at the pro day. Hmm. You know, so he's six foot, maybe six foot, you know, and, 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 and five eighths, but he's not six one. You know, he's the same height as Baker Mayfield, but he's built like a tank. He has a cannon. He's fast. He has thick legs and thick trunk and all that stuff that you need, you know, has good foundation on him. He's my QB one, and he's the only QB I would take in the first round of this draft. Campin, I want to get your perspective. We brought you in here. you got a lot of experience in the NFL. You've coached around guys like Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers. Um, you were around Justin Herbert for a season. What, what are your thoughts on Malik Willis? Um, my thought with uh, with Monique Willis is that um, his his skill set, if, if well, with us wanting to be more of a power run game, um, I can definitely take advantage of that um, with, uh, with with our blocking schemes to allow him to not only have the ability to uh, be mobile in the pocket, you know, have the pocket roll out, have him roll out more, moving pockets. Um, things of that nature. Um, use them in the run game some. Um, I'm not saying to the extensive usage that 
you know, we did what 10 plus years ago with Cam Newton as a rookie, but I could definitely see some packages where, um, where some QB power, QB run RPO type things can be used um, to take advantage of, it. you know, when you got, you can put 10 blockers out there um, because your quarterback can use his lead. That's an advantage. Now make that as a staple. No, definitely not. Um, because at the end of the day, um, he's still only as correct because I just looked it up. Six foot and three eighths um, is his height. But um, Malik Willis would give us the best. Here's, here's what it comes down to for me. Picking players that's right to keep Matt Rule around versus picking players that's right for the franchise moving forward. And I always felt like that veteran quarterbacks are to help out Matt Rule to get one of these rookie quarterbacks, I think it's what's going to be best for the franchise long-term moving forward. Um, and I, Now, Campin, let me jump in here because if if we put Malik at four, are you comfortable slating Brady Christensen as our left tackle? Because that's where we're going to be sitting right now. Is Yes. You are. Yes. I'm, I'm comfortable because the last four games where he got significant reps at left tackle and just left tackle, uh, he definitely showed more strides of improvement, still with some errors, still with some miscommunication, but I think uh, lack of consistency playing at that one specific position hindered him. Um, but I definitely saw enough improvement uh, the last uh, four games where he started strictly at left tackle to feel like that he warrants a shot uh, to it. Now, still not a pros to calling up Dwayne Brown and bringing him in. Um, you know, to provide competition if we uh, decide to go the route of a quarterback uh, with our sixth pick. But uh, I do feel like Brady Chris is in the second year uh, with this because he still has elite get off. He still has elite traits. It's just a matter of working on his footwork and um, getting him to be more aggressive in the run game uh, by working on his hand placement that I feel like that he could be someone that can uh, solidify the position. Still going to have some some growing pains there because he only got really four good consecutive games at left tackle. So the first time that he you know has a bad play, you know people want to call for his head. But I think that that the talent and the skill set is there for for Brady to um, be in position to really be a uh, left tackle in this league. Now, Scott, I know you're busy on your phone texting all the damn time. Where are we at with guys like Dwayne Brown? Campen mentioned that Dwayne Brown and Eric Fisher still free agents. Is that something we can you, we can fit in the in the cap space right now? Yeah, we, we can. Uh, you know, me, Willen, and Dylan. Uh, I've created a lot of cap space, and right now we're sitting with the most cap space in the NFL. So, uh, but I can say. Um, as far as it goes for a veteran quarterback, uh, we aren't going to be in on any of those deals. Uh, we're focusing on the draft, and we're going to focus on uh, building building through the draft. So that QB-wise, uh, sorry, Ben McAdoo, but not going to happen. Um, I've already talked with uh, Mr. Tepper about this, and, and we're on the same page. So, uh, so yeah. And as far as uh, quarterback-wise, um, you know, Malik or Kenny Pickett, I've been preaching Malik Willis. Uh, let, let's just put it in a uh, scenario for Carolina. Malik is the same quarterback that went to the 
same high school as Cam Newton. He went to the same college as Cam Newton originally before transferring tra- transferring to Liberty. And I think from a pure business standpoint, um, Malik Willis paired with Cam Newton, uh, bringing Cam back, which is the only vet quarterback that we would be interested in, uh, would, would sell tickets. And and I don't think I couldn't think of a better way for Malik to get his entrance into the league uh, than sitting behind his his uh, his hero growing up as a kid. So. Uh, Malik over Kenny for me. Yeah, so let let let's go Malik four on our big board, and just to speed this up because we could seriously talk about this all night. I'm just going to trump you all and say Kenny pick at five, and then the rest of the big board is whoever you guys have on your list, whether that's edge, QB, corner, whatever. So for our big board for this this simulation, we're going to do. We have Charles Cross, one, Evan Neal, two, Icky Aquano, three, four, Malik Willis, and five, Kenny Pickett. So stand by here. I'm going to get things set up. Um, I'm going to attempt to share my screen, and hopefully you guys can see everything. I got something for us. (laughs) The Jacksonville Jaguars are on the clock. Um, let's do desktop too. Lord help us hey. all. Hey, real quick, while y'all doing that, um, did y'all happen to notice the uh, the results of the uh, infamous Wonderlit test was what came out? Yeah, I did so, see that. I saw where Willis ended up at. Yeah, he was like thirty-two. Yeah. I think. I think he got like a thirty-two or something like that. Now, for the sake of argument, I think that score is completely test is no indication of NFL success because Nathan Peterman had a 48 on it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So it's not a projection, but I, I just think that a lot of the QBs that they, you know, with Malik Willis supposed to only being good in a one read offense was able to excel well at this particular test while quarterbacks like Corral and Pickett scored really low on it. Now, again, there's Hall of Fame quarterbacks who had really low one test scores. And I get all that, but just for the sake of narrative, not much was said about it, but could you imagine if that was Malik Willis that had the really low Wonderlit score, the type of attention that that would have gotten versus how quiet it was, uh, you know, on this particular, on this particular go round? Because I, I noticed, I noticed when it's certain quarterbacks, this yeah. is brought up and made an issue and then others is just kind of, oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. Without doubt. I mean, it's the same thing with um, Kaepernick. I think Kaepernick's one of the lit scores, like right in the same neighborhood as uh, as Malik Willis's. And so, you know, it's easy to write guys off when you can point to that one of the lit score and say, hey, look, you know, they're knuckle draggers. But when they're not, when they actually show that they have the ability to, to think analytically and, and process and, you know, things that project for certain guys, when it's a guy of a certain hue, you know, playing quarterback, mm-hmm. if he had scored a, a, an 11, a 10, then he wouldn't even be considered a second rounder. They would just totally say that he's a total project. He should look at switching positions. Like the other guy on Twitter said, when, when was that, yesterday or the day before? I saw y'all going back and forth with him, Kevin. Um, uh, but whoever that numb that is, you know, he, you know, he already has him playing running back or something. And so, yeah, Pris- uh, Prisco, yeah, Prisco. Oh yeah. God, Pete Prisco. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 
And so I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. All right, here we go. So the first pick, Trayvon Walker to the Jaguars, Aiden Hutchinson to the Lions, Sauce Gardner to the Texans, Thibodeau to the Jets, and it looks like Evan Neal to the Giants. So, guys, we got some trade offers on the board. Let's start with this. Um, it's actually, which is very strange, it's the Giants. Giants are calling us. They're, they're, they're willing to give up their seventh pick in the first round. Their third round pick, which is 81 in this year's draft, and a seventh rounder in 2022. So let's just talk through that. So we we don't have a second or third round pick in this year's draft. We'd only drop back a spot. What I'll what are it. our thoughts? I'm running that card. I'm Dude. taking it. Yeah. Well, I, I want to know what I, I want to know what my option is because you say we have multiple offers, right? Yes. So that's the Giants. We also have the Jets on the board, and I feel like this is a little bit more enticing. The Jets are willing to give up their 10th pick in this year's draft, their second pick in this year's draft, which is pick 35, and a fifth rounder this year, pick 146. And all we're giving up is pick six. Yeah, I'm taking that one. That's the one I want. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking the Jets. So we're comfortable. We have tackles still on the board, so our big board is still there. The only guy we've lost right now is Evan Neal. So Evan Neal is off the board. Yeah. We still have our number one tackle. So and we're we have our number, with the and trade. Our, and, and our number two is on the board, so our top two tackles are still on the board. Well, no, you know, we, have Evan, we had Evan Neal, too. Oh, yeah, so, uh, my top two tackles on the board. <laughs> That's so nice of the Jets because they show fleeced us on that Sam Donald trade. So it's nice. <laughs> so we're kind of we're getting back at them. Yeah. So we're yeah, they accept? got our, they got our 40th, but they're gonna give us their 35th. So I'll I'll take that. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're <laughs> all in agreement. Okay. Yeah. 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 I'll take that. Yeah. All right. So we're gonna accept that trade. So actually, it looks like the Giants at five. I was wrong. They went Jermaine Johnson. So Evan Neal was oh. on the board at six. That's okay. It doesn't change a thing. It's okay. So Jets, Jets traded up for our pick, and they took Evan Neal. So that's okay. where we're at. Now the Giants are on the clock, and they took Iki Aquanu. Okay. Okay. Waiting for the Falcons. Falcons went Garrett Wilson. Okay. Okay. Boom. Said that. Now, what I, what I don't like about the system is I cannot see who the Seahawks picked, which is crazy to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have some trade offers, so we're at pick ten right now. We we have Washington call us. Ron Ron and Marty Herney are on the phone. They want to give us pick eleven and this and their six rounder this year. For a pick ten, so they want to move up a spot, and all and all we're doing is moving back. Uh, but we also know. got to keep in mind, Malik is on our board still. They they still might take QB, even though Carson, even uh, though they got Carson. Our number one is still on the board, right? Cross is still available, right? Cross is still there. From what Cross I know, is- I don't know what Seattle picked yet. <laughs> I don't know why they're not showing me that. Um, Can you see who's still available? I cannot for some reason. Um, tell them not to call us with negative points. 
So Tepper said last year. Yes, here we are. So we have another offer too. So we have the Washington is calling us for pick 11 and pick 189 in the sixth round. We also have the Chargers calling us. We move back to pick 17. And Fitter, I know you said the teens, you're still comfortable staying in the teens, the high teens. So they'll give us pick 17. And we're also going to get a third rounder. So now we're going to get you don't forget we had the Jets second round pick. We can gain a third rounder, and now we can only move back seven spots. Cross is still on the board. Malik Willis is still there. What are what are, what are we thinking? I'm I'm thinking no. I I think we make the pick at ten. We got our number one guy. We traded back. We picked up a second round pick. Uh, our number one guy is still on the board. Let, let's pull the trigger on Cross. I'm, I'm with him. Our third round pick was CJ Henderson. You know, we picked up, so I'm I'm good there. I'm I'm not pressed to recoup picks. Ben, like it was said today. Where are we at, Ben? I know you like that Chargers trade. <laughs> I do, I do, because there's the the strength of the draft is like twenty five to fifty. You know, if I can pick up an extra third, I might be able to package that with my fourth and get back into the second round, you know, but I mean, that's on you fit, you know, but, you know, but that's how I'm thinking, you know, I haven't done this in a while, but, you know, but I would, I would do something like that. You know, I'm, we still I'm, have, we still have, we still have Malik Willis, Charles Cross, and Kenny Pickett and seven picks to between them. Now, what, whether, what do you, what do you guys think? And just so you guys happen? know, the Seahawks, I got I, I figured this out. The Seahawks took Derek Stingley. So Charles Cross is still there. We still have our number one player on our big board at 10. I'm I'm looking just ahead. You have Washington coming up. You have Minnesota. You have the Texans. The Texans haven't taken an offensive tackle. So the Texans, if Charles Cross slips, he might go to 13. Mm-hmm. Didn't didn't I say today in a press conference that the fall off is at sixteen? For for you first said round middle, you said teens, middle teens. There there wasn't there wasn't said, a I specific said, I number. I'm pretty sure you said twenty fit. Oh, well, right yeah, I, I I'm a little drunk right now, man. I'm I'm just trying to track, <laughs> but okay. So uh, I think that there is a fall off between charles cross and the next available tackle trevor pinning probably on the draft board so uh, drop off so i'm i'm thinking i'm thinking we go cross sure up the left tackle for for a long time uh a position where panthers fans have have dealt with turmoil for you know since jordan gross so let's go cross we got our second round um if we need to we might be able to move back up into the first round We, we could package something together maybe maybe talk about next year's draft and uh if, if the board falls the right way, I, I just I, I think we go cross here. Yeah, I well, agree. You already, you already said earlier today we're not touching future draft picks. So well, I mean, <laughs> I'm going with you guys. I mean, obviously, I'm making my 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 decision based on the fact that you know the two quarterbacks that we like are still on the board. You know, we got seven picks to go. Yeah, and they might. We got a second rounder early. I mean, one of those guys that we like might slip. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm with. I mean, uh-huh. Campy Campy says that he likes you know my top. My top tackle. Um, Federer likes the guy. You know, he's our number one guy. He's there for us at 10. I, I, go, with, I go with the gurus. 
All right, let's take cross then. We're gonna well, take I cross. Oh, I didn't get mine, but go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. So we I had you were good, man. I thought you I thought you I no, I mean I said it, but his thing, what Washington wanted wants Malik. That's that's Ron Rivera. He huge oh. cam guy reminds me. I wanted Malik at 10. That was me. Well, and Malik. this is where the board fell. So we have Washington taking Drake London. Hmm. Kyle yeah. Hamilton goes to the Minnesota Vikings, and Zion Johnson's at 13. I'm going to keep moving here. Let me know if you guys, again, we have a second rounder if we're willing to trade up. I know Fit talked about it today that we don't want to garner future picks, but I'm on the hot seat here. We need a QB at some point. If, some, if Malik or Kenny starts slipping later into the 20s, we might need to pull the trigger on one of these guys, but – we have Jordan Davis going to the to the Baltimore Ravens. And I, I'm going to tell you what I really That's like. Scary. I, I really like Sam Howell in the second round. I'm I'm just going to say that. Trent McDuffie goes to the Eagles at 15. Jamison Williams of the Saints. Trevor Penning to the Chargers. Watch me go to Pittsburgh. Watch it. Daxton Hill to the Philadelphia Eagles. Malik Willis is off the board. Saints Saints took him at 19. Oh, I'm sick. I'm sick. So we have right now on our board, we have one. We have our number one guy gone, two, three, and four. We're sitting now still with Kenny Pickett. We got guys like Matt Corral, Ritter. Fitter has mentioned Howell. Just something to keep in mind. Again, we do have that second rounder if we're if we're willing to move up. I'm gonna keep moving on here. We do have we do have Pittsburgh on the board here. We'll see, we'll see where they go. We clearly can't trade up with them because if they want a QB here, they're going with it. They'll probably go pick it. Desmond Ritter. So Pickett's oh, Pickett's dropping. Pickett's my guy. Dropping. My so, guy. So Pittsburgh is going. Pittsburgh is go with the Cincinnati QB. We know New England isn't going to go quarterback. We know the Packers aren't going to go quarterback. We know the Cardinals are not going to go quarterback. We know the Cowboys aren't. The Bills aren't. The Titans aren't. Tampa Bay, I feel like that maybe be a crazy sleeper in this draft. You can't count them out. I know they have Tom Brady. But they do not have a backup plan beyond that. And then we have the Chiefs and Packers. We have the Bengals is out. And we so really right now, the only teams that, that potentially could trade for a quarterback. And again, our guy might slip to the second. So we might not have to press right now. But Tampa Bay, and then we also have the Lions at 32, potentials at QB. Let's resume this thing. And I wouldn't be so sold on uh, the Cardinals not being in on a quarterback with everything going on with Kyler Murray. Might be a surprise. They, they wouldn't pick one while they had one on the Ricky Bill. So we got Chris Olave at New England at 21 and Traylon Burks to the Packers at 22. So the Cardinals are on the clock right now. Are we comfortable where we're sitting? We still hold that second pick. I think it's pick 35. Oh, yeah. Sit. We're sitting. We're sitting. We're sitting. Yes. So they Cardinals went George 
Carl Laftis. Am I saying that right? He's a edge edge out of Purdue. Cowboys are now on the clock. They went they went edge as well with Boye Mafe. Kair Elam, the corner from Florida, went to Buffalo. The Titans are now on the clock. And they went Devin Lloyd. So we're sitting again, these QBs are slipping. Matt Corral's still there. Sam Howell's still there. And Kenny Pickett. I'm comfortable waiting on one of those three to fall into our left. And again, we have we have Tampa Bay. We're sitting we're sitting pretty well right now. And I know Phil Snow isn't in the room, but I'm kind of I'm kind of I kind of got my eye on on the Kobe Dean too. You know, so that's true. Best linebacker in the draft. Kenyon Green went to Tampa Bay. Devontae Wyatt went to the Packers at 28. Hey guys, what's the deal on what's the deal on Linderbaum? Has he gone yet? Linderbaum is still there. So if you're looking at the board right now, Kenny Pickett's still there. He's ranked 21 on this big board. 31 is Linderbaum. 32, Sam Howell. Dotson still around. I know <laughs> Phil Snow talked about a safety. Lewis Lewis Seen is still there. Uh, Nicobe Dean is also is also there. Where's Matt Corral? Matt Corral. He's down on this big board. He's forty nine. He's still there. We're camping. I need to know what you think about Linderbaum. If we have an opportunity to draft Linderbaum, we have to consider this. Bozeman is only on a one-year deal. As much as we like him, you know, are we going to pay him? Or should we prepare for our center for the future? We have our left tackle for the future. He's not the nastiest guy, you know, but do we want to go out and get our center, you know, who can also play At guard? pick 35 or you want to trade up? I want to – if we can stay put and Linda Bone falls into our lap, is that something that we're willing to do? Well, right now I just oh. I just moved the picks forward before before we jump in here. The Chiefs at 30 went the safety and the Bengals just picked Linderbaum. Oh, that was my guy. Buster. That was good pick. Guy. Good pick by the Bengals. So Ooh. now we're sitting. Okay, this is this is where we gotta we gotta discuss because the pick 32 is a big trade-up pick. And even if the Lions don't take QB here, they're a team that could trade out for one of these other teams to trade up. I mean, we're talking Atlanta. Washington still might fall in love with one of these QBs in this second round that might want to trade up. So we have the Lions pick 32, and then we come back tomorrow. We have Jaguars and then Lions again. So Lions could be taking a QB at one of these picks where are we sitting right now? I mean, are we comfortable? I'll tell you right now, I'm I'm not comfortable letting Kenny Pickett unless Kenny Pickett drops to 35. If we have a chance to get him at 32, I think we got to go and get him. Well, personally, I have Sam Howell and Matt Coral over Kenny Pickett. Yep. And so I know that you wanted Matt because you know that's the guy that you missed out on back when you were. I need a Tampa. guy that's gonna start day one for us. Well, I think you're. I think you'll get fired this year anyway. <laughs> I think we should. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to save your job, Matt. That's why. You, that's why. You, that's why you hired me. 
Yeah. I evaluate yeah. these guys. Cool and Howell are both better than Kenny Pickett. And, and I've already talked with, with Tepper on this. We're not trading any future picks to move up. Uh, he's he's nixed that. that we have the picks that we have unless we trade back more. We're, we're going to sit at 35. But so I'll give you this. I'll give you this, Matt. If we get 35 and Kenny's still there, I have no objections because you. Oh, he's coach. our guy. I'm running that ticket in. Yeah. I, 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 but I don't, but he's not worth trading up for. And Tepper already said it. So it doesn't matter what I say. But just FYI, I have Coral and Howell over Kenny Pickett. All right. Let's run this thing through. All right, so Sam Howell just went off the board. The Lions took him at 32. Wow. So they did as well. Jacksonville's now on the clock, and they took N'Kobe Dean with the first yeah. pick in the second round. Good pick. Yeah. The Lions are on the clock again. They're not taking another quarterback. All right. So we do have trade offers. Nope. Doesn't matter. <laughs> So I, I want to at least go through them here. So the Eagles called us, and they're willing to give us, again, we're pick 35 right now. They're willing to give us pick 51 in the second round, so we're going to move back 16 spots. And they'll give us their third rounder this year and their seventh rounder for this, this pick 35. So there's that. Then we also have the Steelers. The offer isn't as good. They want to give us pick 52, so one uh, one less than where the Eagles are. And then a fourth rounder, and then a sixth rounder. Well, well my, my, my thoughts on this, you know, as your um, offense coordinator, I know you want to draft the QB. And here we are in the second round, what, three picks to go, and two of our top five QBs are still available. Matt, you just said you want to Kenny Pickett. You know, I don't think you should even entertain trading back from 35. If you and want to be, you have to stay put. And I'm in agreement. I think that if we can get away, come away with this draft with our uh, top left tackle and then a quarterback that we had on our top five big board, I think it's a home run. I, I think we submit the ticket for, for Kenny Pickett here. Camping, you sleeping over there? Where, where are you at? Uh, not sleeping, just kind of uh, just taking a quick peek, see what uh, what else is out there. Um, yeah, just let me run down this board while you're thinking. We got Kenny Pickett still on the board. I think this is a no-brainer. I think you got to go him at, at 35. You got Joan Dotson still out there, Kyler Gordon, David Ajobu, Kwai Walker, Jaquan Brisker, Brees Hall's out there, Sky Moore, Tyler Smith, Christian Harris, Kenneth Walker the third, Travis Jones. I think it's Kenny Pickett, guys. I think this is the pick. Are we comfortable with that? Well, let me give you some food for thought here. Um, McAdoo, you run the uh, West Coast offense, right? Yeah, no variation of it. The Macadam. Variation of it. Coast, yes. All right. Now, I get it that we all said unanimously, well, uh, Curtis made <laughs> Kenny Pickett unanimous that as a top five. But uh, uh, a lot of the principles of the uh, West Coast was down at Ole Miss. And I think that uh, 
I think that Coral over Pickett here, for the type of offense you're running, um, he has more experience and more familiar with the the nuances of the um, the variation of the West Coast that you like to run uh, run here as well. So I just think that Camp and you need to stick to O line. I'm going to trump you on this one. It's Kenny Pickett without a doubt. I just got a call from Tepper. Edgar just gave me a ring. You know, Pitt, Pitt, uh, Tepper is a Pitt alum. We had this guy. We, I mean, we were considering dr- trading back and drafting this guy in the middle of the first round. He's still there in the second. There is, I mean, there is no doubt. We're taking way too much time on this. We're, we're going Pickett. How picking those players that you're familiar with don't work out for you, though. the card is submitted (laughs) so for for this exercise it was it was fun to do it's it's fun to chop it up with you guys and to see kind of where these this predictive board that the draft network has so carolina as as this war room we did we got charles cross at at ten, yes, which is crazy. Yeah, picked up a second rounder, and you get a guy like Kenny Pickett in the second in the second round with that trade with that trade back with the Jets. So it's kind of ironic because Carolina traded with the Jets to get Sam Darnold, got rid of that second rounder. They recoup that second rounder from the Jets and potentially get their franchise quarterback with it, which is a crazy freaking circle. Um, what a hell of a job. Any Scott surprises from yeah, this draft? Good job, Scott. I got a surprise here for you, but it's, it's within our division. By the Saints drafting Malik Willis, Sean Payton unretires and comes back Ooh. and haunts us for the next 10 to 15 years <laughs> with Malik Willis. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. He's still on the contract. Yeah, if Sean Payton Payton find ways to win with Taysom Hill, then he might go undefeated for five years. Are we a little shocked with Desmond Ritter going going to Pittsburgh? No. Hey, look, let me me say this about Desmond Ritter, man. Hey, look, I know you love Kenny Pickett, right? A lot of people love Kenny Pickett. Yeah, doesn't – doesn't – Coach Tomlin like Kenny Pickett? I mean, he had a first hand at him. Well, I'm, I'm telling you, the guy that they're not talking about that they love is Desmond Ritter. Desmond Ritter, when you think about, like, the QB intangibles, like, all you hear about is his intelligence, his leadership. I I watched or read. I didn't watch. I read this thing that Fackrell said about him, but it was in an interview. And Fackrell, when he talked about Desmond Ritter, and the way that he ascended into the position, he basically said for four different years that he played at Cincinnati, and it was four different scenarios that he had to work with. And each year, although at times he had some limitations, you know, as he was developing into, you know, this version of himself, just it didn't matter what he was dealing with, he found a way to win. Like those guys in Cincinnati won. Like the one thing that you haven't seen that come out of Cincinnati is a top offensive skill player be drafted, right? Like, who's who's who has been Desmond Ritter's weapons? You know, this guy, Alec Pierce, the one that's his top receiver now, is a, is a really good receiver. 
but you haven't seen any first round talent come out of come out of uh, Cincinnati. Um, no top running backs. Like Cincinnati has been balling, winning ten plus games a year for the last what two years. You know, nine plus games over the course of Desmond Ritter's career. He's always found a way to win, and he runs a four five. He has ten inch hands. Like when I look at Desmond Ritter, man, like I look at a guy that's in the same vein as a Colin Kaepernick, um, Ryan Tannehill, Marcus Mariota. And Marcus Mariota got drafted, what, second overall? Like Desmond Ritter could be better than him. And he's not being talked about in a class where I thought Desmond Ritter was like the fifth best QB or the, I would say the sixth best QB in the 2021 class if he had decided to come out. But he went back to college. And in a year that's down on QBs, I don't think that all these other QBs legitimately came up and usurped him. I just think people don't think about him because he plays for Cincinnati versus an SEC school versus an ACC school. Um, and even though Malik, you know, ascended out of Liberty, it's just because his talent is so freakish that you can't ignore it. I think after Malik Willis, I think it's Desmond Ritter. And I think for the purpose of this dissimulation, that's why he was the second QB taken. And, and I think on draft night, I think he could, if, if, the, if the board stayed true, I think Ritter could end up being the second QB taken on draft night. If the Panthers don't reach, I think Malik, I think Desmond Ritter will be the second QB taken. It's interesting, too, because you saw Matt Rule um, was since he's head coach at the Combine. You saw rumblings. I think it was Joe Person reported that the Panthers were very impressed with his interview, and a lot of teams were. Um, but someone to watch. Someone to watch <laughs> for Carolina if they trade down even and go go get a pick in the second round, too. Did you see him break down the film with Mooch? Mm-mm. Desmond Ritter was on um, was Mooch on ESPN or NFL Network? I forget. NFL Network, I think. NFL Network. Yeah. I saw them going over um, going over film, and I think Mooch was showing him like a West Coast play, and they were running like the route concepts and where he needs to go with the ball, based on coverage and based on you know like how they did things in Cincinnati, and I think they were looking at you know his offense versus a cover two. And I think, yeah, they had two deep safeties and and how they ran certain, you know, um, route combinations and how the wide receivers would stem based on, you know, what the safety did and, and what he was trying to manipulate, um, you know, with that, with the safety coverage and with, this, with the cornerback coverage. Man, I looked at him do that. And I know, you know, a lot of these guys can go to a board and speak to it. But you could tell when some guys, like, truly, truly get it. I think Desmond Ritter gets it better than most. I think his issue and his only issue really is that I, I watched him play like I'm a Notre Dame guy recorded the Notre Dame versus Cincy game from this year. I went back and watched it yesterday. You know, that's how much, that's how boring of a dude I am. But I wanted to see him against like probably like the, the second best defense he played this year. And Ritter did everything really at a really high level the only thing he really did was he missed he missed on throws to the right. And I don't know if he has a fundamental issue with that, 
you know, footwork or whatever. But he missed high when he went to the right, even on short throws. Um, but everything else, I think he does at a high level. He's super athletic. Um, and I think in this NFL, if you don't get a guy like Malik early, if you miss out on Malik, I think if that's the type of guy that you want, athletic, smart, um, intangibles, I think he's the second best guy in terms of intangibles. I think Desmond Ritter would go into a locker room as a young guy and take control of the locker room. I think guys will follow him. Um, I only think it's two guys in this draft that has that. Well, I think it's three. I think it's Willis. I think Willis is the number one intangible guy. Um, that's what makes him so, you know, such a, a guy to, to bet on his, his, his traits, his athletic traits, plus his, his intangibles as a leader. I think number two is Ritter. And then right there with Ritter, I think you have Howell. I think those are the top three leaders of this draft. And I think when teams interview those guys, I think if you're a guy like Matt Rule, who's a big culture guy, you have to think, like, who's going to come into this locker room and exhibit those qualities as a quarterback that I want as a coach? You know, who can be, who can be a leader but not loud? You know, who can be a leader but not steal the show? And I think Sam and Teddy, you know, although they're good leaders in there, but I would say Sam, I think Teddy's a good leader. I think Sam is just kind of there, you know, just doing his job. But when it comes to these other guys, I think they have the perfect balance of I'm a leader without being extra, right? And I'm not saying extra is bad. I think it's good to an extent. But I think Matt Rule at his core doesn't like that. Right. And I think, you know, I think that was I don't know this, but I think that was one of the things that might have turned them off about Justin Fields, um, you know, beyond just the stuff. That yeah, I don't think that interview went very well. I don't. I really don't. But I think. But do you think, think it, one thing does do you think, though, Matt, or do you think Matt Rule in that front office? bringing in Cam Newton that kind of grew on them because I feel like they would be more prone to a guy like Malik Willis because they talk so highly of Cam Newton after bringing him in of his leadership and but I think some of that is show and I hate saying that um I think Cam is not from what not from what we're hearing no I know Cam no I know Cam is you know we know Cam who Cam is and we you know we've defended Cam because we already knew he was a leader right we knew that everything that he was about was legit we knew that players love that. Um, but I think as a coach, you are who you are, right? Like, if a guy comes in, you know, he could definitely sh- surprise you. You know, you could, like, see it and you can feel it. But I think at the end of the day, you still want what you want, right? I think Matt Rule, at the end of the day, believes in his process over anything that one player can provide. I think it was good enough and what they saw was good enough in that locker room to say, hey, you know, we want this certain type of guy, you know, and like you are when you talk to Sheena. We want Deshaun. Cam, can you help us get Deshaun? And if Deshaun comes here, you can be the QB2 to Deshaun, right? I think that's easier done with, with Deshaun because Deshaun is already secure in who he is, right? You know, like he doesn't need Cam to show him how to be a, a franchise QB. He's been that. I think with Malik, I think it would be just as effective as we can see it because we think that, you know, 
He went to Westlake High here in Atlanta. He went to Auburn. You know him. You know he was in Cam's um, seven on seven. Like all those things to us, like oh, it makes perfect sense. Get Malik and bring in Cam. I think it's a different scenario though. I don't think if they got Malik, I don't think they get Cam. I think Malik would be just Malik. I don't think they. I don't think the same combination for them. I don't think it would apply. Yeah. Um, I think they go a different route if they draft a rookie QB, um, just because I think they will want them. They'll want to mold a rookie more in their own image rather than be molded by the rookies, you know, charisma or whatever. And so, but I mean, but I think they still would take him. I just don't think they'll take him and bring Cam back. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, if it was me and I was a culture guy, you know, and I wanted to, you know, to, to, to really, you know, pin down my culture, those would be my three culture guys, Malik first, Ritter second, and then Howell. And then I would go with, Coral and Pickett. That's my top five. Mm-hmm. That's just how my, I mean, not, that's not my, my true top five in terms of talent. I actually have Coral over Howell, but I still have Pickett number five. Mm-hmm. Well, let's leave it there. Um, I just want to thank you guys for coming on. Edgar, too. Um, you know, this this draft is so unpredictable, but it's fun to at least talk about it. Um, none of us really know what's going to happen. I mean, we're throwing, we're throwing paint at a wall and hoping it sticks really. So, but I just want to thank you guys because we had you, we had you guys on, on February. It was a very depressing episode (laughs) and we have at least have some hope right now (laughs) at the draft. I'm not saying for that, but at, for one of these prospects and that's at least exciting and something to look forward to. Um, in this really unknown and shitty off season of, of what it's become. So I just want to thank you guys again, Kevin and JJ for coming on. Nah, man, you as, as always, thank you, you know, for having me on, um, you know, you know, I like the way that you guys handle your business. Um, I like the fact that we don't always have to agree, but we can still get along and you still bring me back. You know, even if I see something I don't like that you say on Twitter, like, Kenny Pickett is the dude or Matt Rule needs to stay forever. <laughs> um, you know, it's good to like, you know, respectfully disagree and um and continue to grow forward, man. And you know, like I'm hundred percent supporter of your of your podcast, um, of your growth. I see, you know, you're getting a lot of traction. You know, I love to see that, you know, with everybody trying to do something and and have a, a voice and say, you know, with the Carolina Panthers. Um, it's beautiful that nobody knows what's gonna happen on Thursday night, right? Because mm-hmm. we live in we live in a world where everybody wants to be right. Everybody wants to go and pull up the tweet and say, oh, yeah, I had the right pick or, you know, my guy got drafted or this and that. When the reality is nobody knows. Mm. Nobody knows. And nobody has any control over what Scott Fitterer and Matt Rule and those guys are going to do on Thursday night. You know, so at the end of the day, you know, we can complain, you know, we can fuss and argue with each other and meet people at show Mars to beat them up about, you know, <laughs> about, <laughs> about Panthers taste. <laughs> you know, but, Come on, Kevin, you can't be hey, quiet on that hey, one. Hey, hey, look, you know, but, hey. but, it's, but it's all good, you know, because like it's not about that as much as it's about us just hoping, you know, and being passionate about wanting to win. Because honestly, that's all I want to do. Like, I care less. Like, I want Baker Mayfield right. That's not even unpopular. I mean, that's not even popular. Like, I know that Baker Mayfield 
probably isn't like a great, great fit. I'm just a Baker fan. And that probably is going to come back and bite me one day, right? So for being so pro Baker, because I'm sure he's going to do something else that's stupid and it's going to embarrass me. That you know, might but, be the one thing we agree on, JJ. I actually like, I like Baker too. I'm not, I don't know if I'm as high as you are on him, but um, that's interesting you say well, that. You, well, you know what I love? You know, because everybody think that they have me pigeonholed, right? I'm very pro-black QB. I don't think that, you know, our guys get the same shot as everybody else in the league. You know, and I think for black quarterbacks, I think you have to be like MVP level or you don't have a place in the league. Um, you know, Baker is like the opposite of that, right? But but Baker has his own underdog story that I really fell into, you know, during his ascension, you know, at, at Oklahoma. And so after, you know, you know, like trying to make sure I promote my black QBs, I'm big on the underdog. Baker is like, to, to me, he gets hated on like a black QB and maybe some of his own doing, but I want to see the dude win. I, it's something about him that I just get, I relate to in some ways. And I'm like, you know what? I want to see you, I want to see you prove everybody wrong again. And I would love for that to, if it, if not for, you know, like two, three seasons in Carolina, just for this one year, come in, like take this team and, you know, and prove to people that you're a leader, number one, that you can still play, number two, and that you deserve a place in the league, number three. The only drawback to that, if he does all those things, then he probably also suggest to somebody that Matt Rule can coach. And, and you know, like if Baker comes in and has a lot of success, then Matt Rule probably stays an extra year. They probably extend Baker, and then everybody's hot like fire again because they don't trust it. But Baker's 28 years old, man. Mm-hmm. And he's not Sam Donald. I know he has a lot of interceptions. He's not very good at reading defenses and all that. But I've seen Baker play really, really Give me good. Baker in 2020, and then we're talking. Bruh, like, if, and that's all I'm saying. <laughs> if we don't go QB, I'm totally bracing for this, and I'm going to say it on the record, and I might be wrong. I don't care. But I pay attention to every little word and every little quote that's come out about Baker Mayfield. And that whole thing about, you know, we will not, you know, pursue Baker Mayfield ahead of the draft or, you know, <laughs> before day one of the draft, I think it's going to be kind of like last year when we went into night one of the draft, We had pick eight. Justin Fields and Mac Jones were on the board. We didn't pick either one. We picked cornerback. Day two, we announced that we were exercising the fifth-year option on on Sam Donald. I think think this year, day one is going to come. That pick is going to come and go, whether we trade it or stay and pick a tackle or we trade it away and then pick some other position or a tackle later on. I don't think they're going to pick QB. And so then we're going to miss out on the QBs, right? Because there's going to be a run on them. And then you're going to come back on, on day two and say, oh, we didn't get a QB. Now we have to go and acquire one. Mm-hmm. That's when you see either Baker or Jimmy. And I'm still betting that it's Baker. Well, just some breaking news that just came across. The Broncos – it's not crazy, but the Broncos have signed Melvin Gordon. So the Badgers are reuniting in Denver, Russell and Melvin Gordon playing, playing together again. Kevin, want to thank you again for coming on. Any last words 
Um, you know, as always, I appreciate you, uh, you know, being on bike. You know, this feels like, you know, home away from home with you and Bryson. Um, definitely enjoy the combination of football conversation and comedy. Um, it's always, it's always entertaining uh, on different levels. And uh, just to clarify that whole uh, show Mars thing, um, <laughs> when people go out of their way to say stuff on Twitter and can't prove or don't have the facts supported, you come slick, we're going to have to come back at you. <laughs> That's all it is to it, you know. Um, you know, Monty was already on his lunch break, just happened to be at Show Mars, do popping out, talking about, I'm on Freedom Drive. Monty stepped outside, all right, where the white tile? And dude decided to Google a picture of inside of a Show Mars and forgot to cut out the screenshot, you know, part at the bottom, talking about, where you at? I'm inside. And it was just like, it just went tragic. Then it just... Dude deactivates his account and then comes back with the hashtag, I hate the full man rush. So, you know what? <laughs> I love it. I love it. You know, you you giving us, you know, like you said, and I'm straight out of Compton. This, this is free publicity, you know? So, hey. I'm going to share something with that, right? And this is for Curtis and Bryson. You know, this is for the four man rush. This is a lesson that I learned during the Teddy season, right? Um. When I was supporting Teddy Bridgewater, I probably got some of the most craziest things said about me in my life. I'm talking about like my, my entire life because of my Panthers fandom and my support of Teddy Bridgewater. And in my it's real true. life, in my real life, I don't really tolerate a bunch of nonsense. I don't tolerate getting called out of my name, but I was trying to build a brand, right? And I'm by myself. I'm not a team of four. I'm not a team of two. It's just me. You know, I make I was making T-shirts. I was selling T-shirts. Um, I'm doing a lot of good things that people don't see, you know, for fans, sending fans to games, you know, hooking people up, giving stuff away. Like I give stuff away when I go places. You know, if I got stuff in my truck, I just give it away. You know, and a lot of people pay for that. Right. But I do it because I don't care. Like right now, I have hardly any inventory, but most of it because I gave a lot away. But here I am because I decided that I was going to support, you know, our quarterback during a COVID year when the only thing we had was football, right? And the last thing I wanted to do was just hate my football team. But I like Teddy Bridgewater. It's like I like Baker Mayfield. I liked him before he was a Panther. But that year was hard for me. And so what I noticed during that year, and because I'm, I'm not like a social media guru, is that a lot of people would tag my, you know, would, would tag me in their tweets because they knew I would see it and they knew I would respond, right? And the lesson that I learned was somebody pulled me aside and they said, stop, stop reacting. Because when you react, they may not see their tweet, but they see yours. And since you have more people following you than they have them, then your reaction breathes, you know, gives their fire some oxygen because they see that you're, you're interacting with them, right? And so, you know, my advice, if, if y'all want to take advice from, you know, this old man, is to stop reacting, right? You know, like, people don't really have anything meaningful or productive, you know, to, to add to these conversations. A lot of times you want to give them, you know, a moment to speak. But when you sense that it's going in the wrong direction, 
just don't even give them the oxygen, you know, because they're really trying to build something off of your name. You built your name the right way. Don't let anybody pull you into negativity. Amen to that. And put your, and put your name at risk. You feel me? Mm-hmm. All right. We just want to thank again, Kevin, Edgar, and JJ for coming on for tonight's episode. A lot of great stuff. There's a lot of unknown right now, but it's a great to talk about. It's fun. It's exciting. Gives us Panther fans a little hope of what this team can add to their arsenal going into next season. We just want to thank everyone for listening to Panthers on Tap podcast. You can catch all of our episodes every Thursday, wherever you listen to your podcast. Make sure you subscribe and rate us. Go give us a follow on Twitter at Panthers on Tap for all your analysis and breaking news. And as always, 